episode 300. Can you believe it, folks? That's what G said podcast. We've made it to 300 episodes. It is Friday, April the 29th, 2022. And a big thank you to everyone who's been hanging out with us through the last couple years. A lot has changed in the about three years or so that we've been doing this podcast. The uh, First off, they're a lot longer than they were when uh, when they started, but sort of always the way that I wanted to roll with them. And it, if it wasn't for all of you listening, uh, we wouldn't be here. Big thank you to all of the sponsors who have helped us through the years. We've discussed so many different sports, games, events, uh, TV shows, movies, had so many different guests through the years. We're probably close to about 1,000 hours with our 300 episodes. I gotta see if I can find a, a way to see all of the uh, the hours that we've got logged together. But wow, just incredible stuff! Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us through the years. Now let's talk about what we've got on this episode. Now keep in mind we're only about a week away from the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks. That's next weekend. You know we're gonna have some of those deep, action-packed episodes where we go through all of the undercard races. I'm going to have, I think, 15 different guests on, each of them to help me handicap one of the stakes races and then to share some of their Oaks and Derby thoughts. Make sure to get ready for the Derby and the Oaks. We'll be talking all about that next week. On this episode, we will have some NBA with Eric as we finish up a couple of the first round series and we look forward to the second round. We'll dive into Friday Keeneland closing day. We'll run through the card, most of the card there, for Friday, some best bets for Saturday, Churchill. Saturday, Santa Anita. The races are back there after a little respite. And Santa Anita has some nice action late in the card. So we'll go through some of the stakes and the best plays there. And then Golden Gate has a really, really good last part of their card on Saturday. So Saturday, Churchill, Santa Anita, and Golden Gate. Then we get into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and AEW recaps. On this episode, that's what G said. That is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. Give them a follow on Twitter at BTV Bets. So much free content for you. Every day that there's an NBA playoff game, we have a live stream preview for you. If it's during the week, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, on the weekend, noon Eastern Time, and we go through game previews, best bets, and prop plays for those games. Baseball quick hitter episodes every day throughout the week, Monday through Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Monday, Thursday, Mohawk Mania. We had an NFL draft preview show for you. So much over at Better Than Vegas. Everything's free at BTV. Give them a follow at BTV Bets. Coming soon, folks. Louisiana Downs. We are one week away. Opening day is Saturday, Kentucky Derby Day, Saturday, May the 7th. And we will provide coverage for Louisiana Downs every day that they're racing right here on That's What G Said. We'll have live streams. Some days we'll have handicapping videos with the DRF past performances. And I believe I'll be helping them out on their simulcast on the broadcast. So looking forward to talking lots of Louisiana Downs in the coming months right here. They have a 15% takeout late pick four. So that's something that we will focus on every day. We'll try to hit that pick four. And uh, some days we'll be talking full card all throughout Louisiana Downs Racing Meet. You're going to get all the coverage right here on That's What G Said. Let's shift on over and start talking some NBA. Now, the NFL Draft is going on right now as I'm recording round one of the NFL Draft. We'll have a, a full breakdown 
next week. We'll recap what everyone uh, did in the draft and what some of these teams might need moving forward, any holes that they may need to fill. Up next, Eric joins me. We spent about 45 minutes as uh, a lot of the first round series have now wrapped up. We start to look ahead to round two, some of the matchups, and a little bit of recap thoughts on the round one series. It's NBA with Eric. NBA! Who's hot? Who's not? Who's hot? Who's not? Well, we know that the Eastern Conference semis are set, so we know the final four in the NBA playoffs on the Eastern Conference side. Over on the West side, we still uh, have two series that are going on as Eric and I record this, but keep in mind, we are recording this late on Thursday evening, and uh, by the time you hear this, there actually may only be one series that remains, so we won't really talk a whole lot about Dallas-Utah just because if the series ends, then you know we can have plenty of time to talk about uh, the... Uh, the series moving forward And if not, <coughs> know that we'll be talking about Game 7 of the uh, series With uh, Kyle Over on BTV Bets This weekend, anytime there's an NBA game We'll be talking about it over at Better Than Vegas So Eric Let's uh, let's talk about the Friday game First and then we'll jump into uh, Some of the series that are uh, just setting up and, uh, and moving forward Memphis, Minnesota What a weird series this one's been It's if you dive into all the advanced metrics and the shot quality stuff, on paper it looks like Memphis should have crushed Minnesota. But in watching the games, there were two games that Minnesota absolutely should have won that they completely blew. They blew multiple 25-point leads in a game, and then they came back pretty pretty incredible that they came back and won after doing that. And then another game, they looked like they had Minnesota or they looked like they had Memphis by the throat on the road. What were they up 12 or 13 with like nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter? Carl Anthony Towns doing the shh. And then all of a sudden they blow that game. Yet they're still only down 3-2. And they have an opportunity to tie it up and push it to a game seven. Bizarre series. I mean, it is. It's just the, you, that's the best word to describe it. Bizarre. Are the games exciting? Yeah. Are they that well played? Not really. I mean, there's no. a lot of young Mistakes being made Inexperienced Playoff performance um, It's just it's just a real weird thing um, Like you said Minnesota was Like they blew what two 26 point leads um, Memphis Tried to give the game away At the end when they got ahead in the last minute I have no idea what Moran was doing When they got the steal 30 seconds to go Up by one and he drives it in And tries to throw an alley-oop instead of kicking it back out just a lot of little silly mistakes. Then Memphis, then Minnesota um, runs a fantastic play out of the timeout. That was a great play where they got almost everybody on their team involved. Towns came up, was involved in the screen. Then McLaughlin made a great pass to the corner. Edwards hits a three. It was just yeah, great, great on all accounts. I mean, it was a great, yeah. great play design. It was one of the better play designs I've seen. And yeah, I don't Bane shove and think to get a t like a tech. I, I don't know. It's just been. It's just been a real weird thing, and it's all going to come down to like what young guy isn't scared of the moment. That like that's what the series is going to come down to. Which yep. like is Jackson or Tillman? Are they are they going to rise up? Is um, Towns going to what, what's Towns going to do? What's Morant going to do? Edwards, you know, he seems pretty cool, calm, and collective. Um, 
the one thing about Edwards though is he's starting to give me some Embiid type vibes say it with some of the stuff he says. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that because the game has been played at a little bit of a slower pace, I think the game tomorrow night, I expect it to be a little bit more up and down. Um, and then if it goes game seven, I expect it to slow it down and be tight. Uh, D'Lo has been hit or miss. Yeah, it's just been a real, it's a real, um, exciting, but poorly played series. Mm -hmm, Because if you're just someone that dives into numbers, you would say, oh, well, Memphis should easily be winning the series. But when you're watching the games, it's not as if they've looked overwhelming. They're just sort of based on the shot quality shots and sort of the shots that some of the games that maybe Minnesota's hit some tougher shots. But yeah, I just... It's really hard to trust either team. I mean, this feels like a game that should go to seven and have something crazy happen at the end. Yeah, of the game. That's, that's what it feels. That hopefully that's what happens because we need a we need a game seven. Like, In these, we, we we need a game seven. I mean, you and I were talking about it before, and like it's just been chalk, 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 chalk. We need we need some um, we need some drama. Let me ask you a question because um, Leo asked me this, and who would you rather have right now? And in my eyes, this is even close. Morant or Tatum? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still pro. I'm. It's it, okay. We're we talking money and and stuff right now. No, 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 no. Just, just right now. Straight up. Straight up. You need to win a series. Who do you want as your cornerstone? I'm going. Pro- yeah, I'm going Tatum. I'm going yeah, Tatum. Me too. This, the me si- too. It's because the size. It's the size and the defense. That's that's the that's the exactly, key. and I mean the thing that the Timberwolves are doing is whoever Morant is guarding, they're putting a pick and roll action to get Edwards, D'Lo, Beverly, whoever guarding Morant. Morant is such a big liability defensively; he's mm-hmm. not really going to take that next step until he is able to um, like sure up his defense. Um, and sometimes like, some of these guys just physically can't ever really you you can always kind of pick on them, right? Like Lillard. For example, he could be in on teams and situations where it may not matter all that much, but if it's a situation where the game is close and you can always find a way, like you said, to get a good offensive player, someone like a D'Angelo or an Anthony Edwards, where they're going to have an advantage on Jaw, Tatum doesn't. You, Tatum doesn't really have that weakness, and the and the real key for me with Tatum is. He's not as good still as Leo wants to say he is, but he's very good and he's become a much better playmaker. He's become much more unselfish and he does just he's getting better and better and at surveying the floor. Now we'll see because we're going to talk about Boston in a minute and they play Milwaukee and I think a lot of people are kind of jumping They're probably going to jump a little too much on the Boston side Because we saw Boston sweep Brooklyn and there's not going to be Middleton around for the series most likely but I think I think Milwaukee's got a better chance than than maybe some people are going to give them credit for, or just sort of like the the talking point uh, overall. So yeah, um, you know, like anything more about this uh, this game? We'll 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 preview this game on Friday over at uh, Better Than Vegas at six o'clock p.m. Eastern time. It is the lone Friday night game, so we'll uh, ha- probably have a couple of prop plays in this one. Right now, game looks like the the line has Memphis as a short road favorite, which means they're probably winning <laughs> minus one and I a half. <laughs> With the way the playoffs are going, probably. Minus one and a half total in this game over 229. So come hang out with us on Friday at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time, and we'll have some uh, some actual individual prop plays for you for that game with myself, with Kyle, and with Eric. Then the 
Saturday there might be uh, only one game if this Dallas Utah game ends up uh, ends up going to a game seven. If not, we'll move on over to Sunday. And uh, on Sunday, we're actually going to have the one of the new series open up, and that's going to be Milwaukee at Boston. That uh, that one is going to be very very good. And I was just saying, I I don't Boston played great. Boston's been playing really good basketball for a long time. It's not like fluky to see them play well in the playoffs. But I think how they won is going to get a little bit overblown because I, I look at that and I saw the body language from Kyrie. I saw the body language from KD, the way both of them played. Did Boston have something to do with why they didn't play well? Sure. I, I think it was a little more than that. I think it was just a weird year for them with everything going on. Durant had to carry a big load. They had to play a lot of minutes down the stretch too just to get them in. I'm just kind of looking at that and I'm taking more away from it as yeah, I just I wasn't impressed with Brooklyn at all. Then I don't know if it was Boston that was incredibly dominant in a 4-0 sense. I'm really liking Milwaukee in here just cuz I I feel like this is going to be one of those big Giannis series and as much as they they can throw guys like Wings, Tatum, and Brown. Nobody's like Giannis. They're going to throw Horford at him too. They're going to throw Grant Williams at him who guarded him a lot. Giannis is not Durant. Giannis is not – you're not going to be – he's got. He's just like a different force here. And you're a Bucks guy, so what are you thinking about this series now and the way it shapes out? Well, one thing the Bucks are doing, they showed last year, it's all about size. And you and I have mentioned before how the – Celtics really don't have much size behind Williams. And the Bucks are rolling out this lineup where it's uh, Lopez at the five, Fortis at the four, Giannis at the three. That is such a big front court that it's just insane. And I don't know how the Celtics are going to find that. And then their the guards, guys, and yeah. Drew is not a small guard. No, not and, at all. And, and that's the key. So at every – this is what the Lakers – had a two year a couple years ago And you know people will look at teams and go Oh yeah LeBron and AD of course But if you think about the way that they were Position wise that was that was when LeBron Was playing point guard that was when you Had KCP as a two There you know you had Danny Green you know Also in the mix there you had A lot of size with AD You had Dwight Howard who started a lot Of their games and JaVale uh, in the playoffs Started some JaVale started a lot early On so all of a sudden you're not only are you big with actually bigs, but you're just long and big at every position. Yeah. And um oh my god, uh Allen and Connington are starting to hit shots. Those guys start going. It was great for them now. because they're gonna be the it's basically those two guys are filling in for Middleton in a different sense, right? Because you're gonna need Drew to step up. And do a little bit more offensively But it's going to be those two guys who you're going to need To to get some of the same production From Middleton And mm-hmm. as much as Middleton Was awesome in the playoffs last year Middleton has been a guy that Has been a really clutch go-to guy to hit Big shots for you He did not have the most fantastic year this year And he seemed like he was a little Bit tired, his legs were a little heavy He's played oh. a lot of basketball In yeah. the last two years um, well, I mean him, Booker, Durant, and no, well, I mean him, Booker, and Holiday. They played all the way to Game Six, and then they had to get on, yep, plane, 
fly all <laughs> the way over yep. to wherever the Olympics were. I forget what I was in Japan. I forget. Play the Olympics and then come back and holiday. Like those guys were a pivotal part of that team that won the gold medal. So, I mean, he looks tired. Um, I don't know. The analogy that my friend gave me that works for an NBA team, he said playing with Giannis is like swimming with a shark. It's just going to come up, take a bite out of you, come up, take a bite out of you, come up, take a bite out of you. After a couple times, you're just done. And that's kind of what it is. Like, he's just so physical just going to the rim. He, they may not win game one, but after a six or seven games, you're freaking beat up playing against him because he's so, so physically imposing. And then we're going to talk about them in a minute too. And I know you there you haven't been shy about saying you don't like them or they're not a team that you root for, but it's the same thing with Embiid and any real big, right? You it's and this is not like it is guarding Durant because Durant's going to shoot. He's going he's looking for jumpers. He's and he's going to shoot over you if he tries to square you up and there's no room. He's just going to shoot over you. The other guys are not. They're they're not going to do that. They're going to go through you. And and that's what's different is that Tatum and Brown and Horford, fantastic defenders, all of them. That's what's great and what makes Boston tough is that they throw lineups out there where they can really get switchy with all five guys in, in some spots. If Williams isn't out there, they can they can have lineups where all five guys can switch. But but I mean, at the end of the day, this is just going to come down to when it was glaring in the Bulls series. The way the um, the way the Bucks play defense is they pack it in because they don't want to get beat on the glass. They don't want you to take twos. They dare you to take the three. If your threes start popping, then they'll have to start extending the defense. So, it, I mean, the end of the day, I mean, if Smart and Williams and those like second, like second, third, fourth, fifth tier guys are making threes, you know, Celtics, Celtics are going to win. But if they're not, the Bucks are going to win. And I mean, that's kind of like. How it is on both sides You need those guys like those guys And then Connington and Allen To like be making shots Whatever whatever third, fourth tier guys Are making shots They're going to win the series Yeah, Brooke Lopez is going to be another big one too I think people forget that Brooke He's missed a lot of this year Brooke offensively, man He can do some things for you Because he can stretch it for you And he's someone that you I I know you don't It's not We don't, they don't, nobody runs a whole lot of post stuff anymore for big guys, right? It's not like uh, percentage wise, you're not going to get the greatest points per possession on that play as you will from others. But in the playoffs, when you need a bucket, you can throw the ball down to Brooke. It's another option for you. I, and I think that's an option that they might end up using a little bit more without the Middleton option in games that are tight. We didn't see them really need to because they just blew out Chicago in the last couple, to be honest. And I, you know, we've talked throughout a lot of the year about not being lazy, but kind of it's a malaise thing that happens when you're a, a, a returning champ, a defending champ. Some of their players, like you said, went and played in the Olympics, came back, got stuff early on in the year. It's hard for some games to get all that pumped. Then you get some injuries. You're missing players. You have a bunch of different starting lineups. And this is some, going one through of the motions. I mean, that, yep. at the end of the day, they're just going through the motions. Yep, yep. They're trying and, to get to this part. This part and now you can't, you can't do that, and you all know you can't do that when Middleton's not there. Exactly. And I think, like, the Bulls winning that second game, I think that was a huge wake-up call to them. Absolutely because, agree. Um, because they look so much more crisp. The one thing that Lopez does is they keep them out on the perimeter more. 
and they, he does never crashes the glass. He goes back and he protects the rim, and that helps against fast break points. So yeah, um, I like the Bucks in the series. Um, I don't know if they're going to win the first game, but I definitely think they're alive to win the series. Me too, because of the physicality and the height. And they're plus five in game one. Have. Yeah, um, and Portis. I mean, let's let's be honest. Like Portis, like what he's done coming to Milwaukee is what people thought he was going to be when he came into the league. Someone that averaged like almost a double double, like this, eight nine this, boards, fifteen points, and he, he's playing great. The size and length. Of the, of the Celtics which was Really nice against Brooklyn because you know you think About a lot of the players that Brooklyn was Playing and was going to need something from Kyrie and Curry and Dragic and The, the length it Hurt some of them and even Durant Who we said is tall And long but he's not Thick that isn't going To impact Milwaukee In a series they're not going to be able to like use their strength and length against a team that's throwing, like you said, Portis and Brooke Lopez out there along with Giannis. It's just a massive, massive group down there, and they can all stretch the court a little bit, whether it be hit a three or at least just stretch it, make you like make you pay attention because you're not going to leave Giannis completely open because then he can kind of build up a head of steam and operate a little bit out there. So I I really do like this matchup for Milwaukee. And I do think the Celtics are just coming into this series a tad overvalued because of the sweep. And I probably feel that way about almost anyone off of a sweep. But you know, then Boston Boston is such a popular City and a popular sports town that they have so many like mainstream media popular fans, as like Bill Simmons, you know, who are out there. And when their teams do well, they really get behind them and they just get extra love, extra pub. Boston's always going to be, I think, a team that's even a, a bit more overvalued than they should against the Bucks, your returning champ. So let's go, uh, let's go, Bucks. We're on the same side here. Hopefully, they can get it done. I mean, I could use the extra revenue because I have a plumbing. Plumbing pipes are really expensive. I'm finding out. <laughs> so I can use the extra revenue flipping my tickets. So uh, yeah, um, I think yeah, I think they have a chance. But like, it comes down to it comes down to which you know which bench guys are going to be making threes. Um, Holiday is really physical. He's going to be able to take Tatum or Brown. So yeah, it's it should be a great basketball series, at least six or seven games. Let's get to Toronto, Miami. So your other. <clears throat> Semi-final in the Eastern Conference So hey, or Toronto, Miami, Philly, Miami Toronto just lost today That was what we were going to say We got to give credit to Philly Because you know what? Were they the better team than Toronto? Yeah, but this was a game that There was some pressure today Things were starting to get tight for them, man If they would have lost this game And they would have been tied 3-3 The next couple days Everyone would have been talking about Philly and Embiid and Harden and Doc trying to choke another one away And so you know what he needed to do today? Harden needed to come out and be aggressive early and he was I think he had 10 points really early on He, he didn't score 40 or anything But he had exactly the type of game that he needed to Embiid was good They proved they were the better team And and they tried not to And they, they didn't mess around a little bit more than they had to And now they're going to go play a Miami team that it should be a really interesting matchup because Miami is also a little bit banged up right now too, right? They had Butler and Lowry both miss their final game against the Hawks. So 
like any playoff series, Eric, it's going to come down to the health of the stars. And if there's lingering issues for Butler and for Lowry, that's obviously going to make a Miami Heat team that wasn't even incredibly dominant a little more vulnerable. Yeah, but the one thing that the Heat have to combat Embiid is they have Deadman on the bench. You know, I mean, like, that's a guy that's going to be pivotal because he's going to be able to come in and bang with Embiid along with Bam on a bayou. They are, they, so, I mean, they have two bigs that can bang with Embiid, which is huge. But Butler's, Butler and Lowry, I mean, that's going to be, honestly, the um, the key to them. I'm not, I mean, I'm not high on this Phillies team, this Phillies team, excuse me, the 76ers team at all. I mean, I don't know. I didn't see the third quarter. My phone was blowing up with stuff that was going on. I'll have to rewatch the third quarter to see what happened. But, yeah, I just think that um, Miami has a coaching advantage. Um, defensively, I think they'll be able to keep Maxie and Butler in check. And then they have an Abayu, and then they have a big on the bench that can come in and, uh, you know, bang with them beat. So, I think I'll say four two Miami. I don't. I just don't like this matchup for Miami. Weirdly, especially if they're not health, if not that healthy, because well, yeah, I'm I, going on. I'm going on the. the oh, for sure. If they're and if they're and yeah, are, are, if they're are, if, are a go, are a go, absolutely. Yeah. And I and I, I don't. I wouldn't. I would be a little worried for Philly against who whomever they would play in the next round. But this is sort of what I was kind of talking about with, Throughout the year when we were talking about Philly And it was like there might be Roads for this type of team because look They just ran into Toronto And they played Toronto who was a little depleted Right and they probably Would have beat Toronto with Van, with or without Van Fleet but hey all of a sudden you play Toronto without Van Vliet That's a little bit different team Barnes Missed a game or two Trent was banged up So they, they got the better of Toronto from the health you know department in that Series Embiid was hurt but he still looked pretty good for mo- for the most part, and he got hurt for about a game. About a game and a half of it really seemed to impact him. Now they could run into a Miami team that was like one seed, and they're good. I agree with you. They have a coaching advantage, and if Lowry and Butler are both you know good to go, they'll they're probably the better better team and deeper team. But they're not like overwhelming or anything, and there might be situations where you know they have the third. Best player on the court and behind Embiid and, and Harden um, some nights and and then in the next series they'd have a tough time against Boston or Milwaukee but who knows what if one of those teams ends up suffering another injury along the way like that's just what I mean it's just you never know what happens just we kind of looked at the the lay of the land and said yeah I, I probably wouldn't want to stake my claim to Philly and Harden but wouldn't it be funny in a year where everybody ends up getting hurt if the, if those guys stayed healthy along the way and, and made it to I the mean, end that would be funny I, that that would be a little different but um, <laughs> they got a long way know, to go but yeah matchup wise thing, do, I mean, do, would you agree you that remember, this though, is a better like this, would you would you agree that this is a better matchup for them than either Boston or Milwaukee would be oh 100 percent hundred percent, but also it's being played in Miami. We all know Harden likes that likes that nightlife. Mm-hmm. So, that's a great no. That's a great. You know, point. you know what I mean? Like, so it's a great point. I yeah, like I don't know. Like, I don't think like Maxi is he going to come back to life? You know, like is he going to be able to maintain what he's he's been doing? Um, you know, Green. Both of us aren't that high in Green. Harris is a little hit or miss. He's a wild card. There's some nights where he'll look really good shooting, extending, and being that good third, fourth option. 
And there's other times, you know, he misses a layup that could have won a game, went two feet away. So, you know, it's a lot of little fringe guys. But at the end of the day, like, and I mean, I'm not the biggest Miami guy, but you just kind of look and, again, assuming everyone's healthy and you see what they have, you know, I kind of like what they have compared to what Philly has. So I'll give Miami the advantage, assuming everyone's healthy. See, it, for me, with these with these four teams, a lot of it, I think, would come down to matchups because I wouldn't play – like, Boston wouldn't have the size, really, to help Embiid, but I just think they'd have so much length to throw at Harden and some of the other Philly guys that that would be, that would be kind of tough for them. Like, Harden's really not Harden anymore. No, no, he's just like a point – he's like point guard, good – he's like good point guard, you know? And I actually don't mind what's funny. This This Harden is much better – than the guy who is trying to be do everything and can't. I'd rather have him take like 12, 15 shots, score 18 to 20 points and get me 10 assists and just not try to do a bunch of stuff that he can't when you have Embiid. The what Harden would where Harden would kill you in the playoffs is when he was your number one guy. When he was your MVP, you ran everything around him. He was the entire your Luka Doncic, your LeBron, and then the guy goes missing in the playoffs. Like that, that's where he hurts you. What's nice for Philly is you actually see that Philly right now is, even with this whatever version of Harden it is, he gives them more than Ben Simmons would have given them, which is just a, a perimeter guy that can, that can hit a three that you have to step out on and that can set up the offense. So I, I don't think Harden's even close to his version, but I, the one thing I'm going to give him credit for, I think he's been a pretty good passer. Throughout, he's been looking to pass more, and I, I and he's been doing a really good job of facilitating. He got Maxi cooking for a couple games. He actually got Harris to play pretty well. Uh, Danny Green had a really nice first half for them tonight. He kind of kept them in that game. So I don't, if all health, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like Philly moving forward against. I don't think either of the other two teams. But I do. It's funny if Boston won I, and Miami won. I did. I would think Miami could beat Boston. If Milwaukee wins, I don't think anyone can beat Milwaukee. So for me, these these final four in the East are all about sort of who matches up with who, and uh, we'll have to have a, a beer shot bet. I think we're even on our uh, on our shot bets now, so uh, we'll have to have one for the the series here with Miami and uh, and Philly. As uh, anything else to to mention on this one before we shift on over? Uh, yeah, no, that's it. That's it. So for the West. We now know that the Suns got the job done tonight against the Pelicans. So they were the one seed, and they're going to move on. And the Suns are going to face now what they're going to be facing the winner of the Jazz Mavs. the Jazz Mavs, which is coming later on tonight. So pretty incredible for Chris Paul what he did. And Booker, the surprise for them was Booker came back for Game Six, which. We didn't even really know recording a little earlier on in the day, a couple hours before, that was sort of a, a surprise. And obviously he helped give them a little bit of a boost. He hit a big shot late, but man, Chris Paul was was incredible. They were New Orleans took a one point lead with less than two minutes to go in the game. And there was about there was like a seven oh run instantly for Phoenix, just a turnover, a quick three, and then like another turnover, and all of a sudden uh New Orleans was out, but Phoenix had a little bit of a scare here, man. There were there were a couple games yeah. in this series that very yeah, easily could have gone the other way. You know, not having Booker there is huge. Booker's had quietly a great season. Um, 
you know, and the kind of the thing that kind of gets lost in the whole mix of this um, Phoenix team is how well Bridges has been playing defensively. Um, he's playing at, in my mind, first team all defense, defensive level. And you get he made like a that couple that can... huge plays down the stretch, just fantastic blocks and just big, big plays. He was awesome in the last two games. Yeah, you get someone like that that can just lock it down and you don't have to worry about them and you can kind of hide. Paul and Booker's defensive defense, defenses. Sorry, their issues on defense. That's huge. Um, my one thing with them though is there's Booker just complaining after calls is really starting to get to me. Like um, there's a play toward the end of the game where he drove, lost the ball, you know, and instead of running back on defense in that critical time, he's like jogging back and yelling at the official. That was a fast break. Stuff like that to me. He's got this, um, he, and he's great. And you, know, you and I are both like you were someone who's been all year talking about how he should have gotten a little bit more love for MVP and just, you know, what a great year he's had. But he's got this, he carries himself, which is good, like a guy who's won a couple titles. But on the flip side, he carries himself like a guy who's won a couple titles and he hasn't. Yeah. You know, he sort of acts like that, like he acts a little bit entitled, like. You guys owe me more respect than I've gotten And well Okay you were on the team last year that made The finals and you know You, you, you sort of had every Every benefit of the doubt along the way Every team that you faced was Dealing with major injury issues And then this year You were awesome your team was really good but That was for a year and that was After years and years of being On really bad teams and just Kind of being non-existent He also ha- was a guy who I Remember like coming off As having saying said a few Things like just in practice Wasn't he didn't he get upset when people Were guarding him in in pickup games and stuff Like playing yeah, playing too yeah. tough Of defense on him a few years back yeah. like It came out it was like double double teaming Him what do you mean don't, you know, What do you mean so, don't get it's just uh, like Little things like that. I know, you know it's not kind of Rub me the wrong way and yeah. it's not um, it Doesn't mean they can't win or he's not awesome But it just Little things about him that I, I feel like Sort of have started to get under my skin a bit I mean like End of the day the things with the Suns are this Can Chris Ball, can Chris Paul's body Hold up? That's one Two, he got through the first Game, hamstrings are one Of those fast twitch muscles Is this going to come back up Or is he completely healthy? When the injury happened, if you looked At Booker's facial expression It gave the facial expression like Oh shit, this is going to be a while so for him to be back this soon is kind of astronomical to me. Um, and then can who's going to be the other guy that can make shots? Crowder hasn't been shooting well. Bridges had that one good game. Cam Johnson, who's going to be that third guy that they can count on to make a perimeter shot? Because let's face it, you know, you're not going to double off Ethan. You're not going to double off Paul. You're not going to double off Booker. When they do the pick and roll action, there's going to be one of those third, four-tier guys that are going to be open. Those guys need to hit threes for the Suns to legitimately have a shot to beat Golden State, who looks phenomenal right now. Yeah, that's the team that we uh, have to uh, discuss next. And man, Denver was so overmatched in that series, and they were down three games to nothing, and they really did try to pull out game five and and try to make it 3-2 there. Jokic with just no help out there at all. 
with you know no Michael Porter Jr. and no Murray and even other injuries like Will Barton was banged up and we saw other guys on uh, you know just really like struggling with some of their health and major props to him he was fantastic both of the MVP like major MVP candidates and Jokic and Embiid had you know Giannis was the other they they all had really great series and they uh um you know they. Showed why they're absolute studs and had fantastic years. So give give a little props to Denver. And you know, with the health of uh, Michael Porter Jr., with the health of Jamal Murray, they would be a legitimate top team in the West. I, I would honestly have them up there uh, with as good a chance well, as anyone. I mean, name any other team, any other coach slash quote unquote star, star being Joker, that would get their team to the sixth spot, go five games with the Warriors. I mean, and the I'd difference like, between I, the three and the six wasn't very much, right? They were like yeah. just a few I games mean, behind. I mean, you got to give respect to Malone and Joker because, like, what that team was able to do with the amount of stuff they went through is crazy to me. I mean, props to those guys at all. Malone, Malone should be getting some Coach of the Year votes, and he didn't. Extremely impressive, and they uh, they had to deal with a really good Golden State team that man they just show you their depth and they they sort of show you when you have a year or two when things go wrong and they had some injuries after the great run they had they were able to develop some young players and they've got some opportunities now and they've really stepped up uh, throughout this series alone we've seen Jordan Poole have a couple incredible games then after that and he had a this this wasn't like a shock. All of these guys played well throughout the year. Jordan Poole, I think, in the month of March, led the NBA in three pointers made. So this wasn't like a fluke for him to have you know thirty point games in in the first couple. But you have Kuminga who steps up and plays really well. You've had Gary Payton the third, you know, or is it Junior or the third? I don't know. Gary Payton's son. <laughs> he actually was on the Lakers at at one point. He can play really nice defense and he can hit a three. And you you've seen a lot of these. Younger role players hit big shots, and that's what you need to happen to make a playoff run because your stars are probably all close to going to cancel each other out for most teams. Once you get two or three series in, your stars are stars 25, 30 ish points dominate the games. Like you mentioned, it, it's going to be for the Bucks. And the the Celtics, the Connaughtons, the Grayson Allens, the open threes that they get, the Grant Williams, the threes that he gets, the Marcus Smart. For the Lakers, I go back to them because as a fan, those are the teams that you really pinpoint. For the Lakers, when they went on their title run, look back at KCP and look at how incredible he shot. Awesome. Just awesome through through a a couple-week stretch. And you need guys like that that are your role players that you can just sort of count on to hit the big shots. And when... Golden State has Curry and Clay Thompson that you are not leaving. And then all of a sudden they throw, you know, pool out there and they've got one of these other guys. These young guys are always going to be open. You're not leaving Curry, Clay, and Pool. You're of course you're going to leave Peyton or Kuminga or, you know, one of them open. And that's all they need to do is hit wide open shots. I mean, Wigan actually has a jump shot now. Wiggins was an all-star this year. You throw him into the mix, but the whole, the thing that makes everything cook is the one that shoots the ball the least is Draymond Green. Because he's able to put everyone in position. He basically is their point guard without being their point guard because everything runs through him at the top of the key. 
and he's able to facilitate. And with how well the ball moves with Draymond in there, that's going to be a tough ass out. And then if Poole can keeps on hitting shots, um, Clay looks like the old Clay. I I mean, it's just right now if you had to pick someone to win it with what you've seen after round one, I don't get how you cannot pick the Warriors. Yeah, I agree. I think it'd be, and and especially kind of looking at the way the the lay of the land is, they um they feel like whoever comes out of this Memphis Minnesota series, that it's going to be really tough for either of those young teams to be disciplined enough to beat the Warriors. That's what you're going to need to to be to to defeat them. You're going to be need to be really disciplined on defense. I think it'd be fun to see Memphis, Golden State, or even Minnesota because Minnesota's got. They've got a couple guys that can punch back with Golden State offensively, right? But Minnesota just makes so many silly mistakes. They might be they they could get really blown out in a few games. Memphis feels a little feistier that they they may have they you know obviously they were a better team throughout the year. I think they could be more competitive in the games against Golden State. But right now, yeah, it would like to me Dallas. I think would be the team. Right now, because if we see from what we've seen with Luca, if they're able to get through, and Dallas and you know Luca is able to get a little healthier with with what they can do defensively, the different looks they can throw at you with size, and their team isn't as flashy, but we've seen they can hit threes at a really ridiculous clip in in stretches. So they might be a team with the kind of firepower that could at least uh, keep up with with Golden State right now. But yeah, they've been and they've been real awesome. quick about the Mavs. Mavericks didn't pick up the player option on Jalen Brunson, okay? And they're over the luxury tag. He's going to make a lot of money, man. Well, no, no. If they re-sign Jalen Brunson, that's a $70 million hit for them. So I don't know. And he may not be able to. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, losing Brunson, that's like the perfect, perfect running mate. For Luca in the backcourt because he doesn't need the ball. He can just kind of be cool, play defense, you know, make a corner shot. It's I don't know. It's that that really stood out for me. The, my one thing with Dallas though is when you in series like this, it comes a lot comes down to coach. It all comes down to coaching. Basically, like four games, four, four and on. Do you really trust Jason Kidd? I let me say I this. Be, I, I, I let me sure. one thing I have I've been. There are two coaches that I have never liked, and I still don't know if they can take your team all the way right now against the other coaches that they'll be dealing with. But I've been really impressed with Jason Kidd and with Doc so far in what we've seen. Now, Jason Kidd was dealing without Luka for a few games, and he did a fantastic job of putting an a really under talented team in position to succeed and to pick on Rudy and to put Mitchell in pick and roll spots every time where he had to guard someone and just attack him over and over. So I actually been I I agree with you in that. I don't know some of these guys I don't know if they can win it all, but I'm willing to say sometimes that from what I've seen from him so far, he's done a pretty good job and this was a series that Utah had every right to win. They're down 3-2. They still could absolutely win two games and win this thing, but this was a series that with without Luka, you feel like they could have crushed them early on. And what's nice is, well, we talk about these games every day. We'll be able to talk about 
the winner of uh, the Dallas Utah series and whoever goes on to play uh, against Phoenix. What, what would you think about uh, the possibilities of either of those teams playing the Suns next round? Um, the Dallas series would be interesting. Um, I mean, my thing, uh, Utah. Once you figure out their puzzle, they're kind of easy to figure out. Like I've got on, I hate them. I've got on Nazium how you can't play Gobert as much as you, you do. And for whatever reason, Quinn Snyder keeps on keeps on rolling him out there. Um so yeah, I don't know. I mean I think like I said earlier today, you know, I thought I thought all home teams were gonna win today. So like I, I thought Utah was gonna win today. Of course a game seven, but you know, we'll see what is happening. Uh Dallas with how they play defense and everything, they'll give um They'll give Phoenix some give Phoenix a fit. Uh, it'll just all come down to when Dallas does bring in um, number forty-two uh, Keebler. Like, is Aiton going to be able to play defense out on the wing, or is he is he going to kind of get lost like Gobert does? And you know, is Cam Johnson and James Crowder going to be able to hit threes versus um, Finney Smith and a Jaylen longer? Brunson? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. who's, who's going to be because that. At this stage of the game, when we get in this round, like you said, the superstars kind of cancel each other out. It's like you're four through eight. You know, who's going to be that guy that steps up? And it's funny because on paper, you may think that if you're looking at Utah and you may go, well, yeah, I mean, look at some of the guys Utah has. You're talking about like Clarkson and Connolly and some of them. And name wise, yeah, but Clarkson, Connolly and Mitchell are awful defensively out there. Like yeah. awful defensively yeah. out there, right? It's going to be a little bit different for on the Dallas side too. You know, um, Dallas is going to have a little bit more uh, defense to deal with with someone like Clay, with uh, you know the Golden State defense. Wiggins, like we said, is is very solid defensively. So things are going to be a little bit different from them having guys that can step out and stick a hand in your face a little bit more. That would be more difficult. Yeah, I mean, I just I think Dallas would be a tougher matchup for them. Um, you know. Just- Kind of piggyback my point. Like, Bucks aren't winning the last year's title if they don't have Bobby Portis. It's that no. simple. They didn't have Bobby Portis. They they weren't going to win it. Um, I think the one guy that uh, Miami has that we're all kind of forgetting about is PJ Tucker because that guy is an absolute dog. Mm-hmm. We saw what he get did to Trey Young. He riles everybody up. Yeah, we kind of forgot about him, but yeah, it should be an interesting series. Um, interesting playoffs. Excuse me. Uh, I. At the end of the day, though, I feel whoever wins this has to be Utah. Or if it's Utah, I think Phoenix wins the series four-one. Yeah. If it's Dallas, I think it goes seven. Yeah. If it's Dallas, I I probably would be leading and looking to play Dallas in that series. Um, I think overall, and if if it was Utah, I don't. I just don't think Utah is sort of disciplined enough to get through Phoenix, especially if Booker's back now. And Booker looked up, uh, you know, decent today. He's already got a game back. So, yeah. And and Dallas, if they get through. Like I said that that would be fun, and then we'll see if uh, if Dallas would able to match up with uh with perhaps a, a Golden State team. And I mean, we're just completely dismissing Minnesota and uh, and Memphis, but either of those teams is going to fight. They're what's nice about them is they're going to make mistakes, but they're so young, it's almost like those mistakes don't, you know, like they're almost too young to realize them. You know, like they they just kind of go out the next game and just play hard again. They're just young and naive. You yep. know what I mean? At that You're young and dumb. Young and dumb. And and you don't know what you're doing. Um, I would kind of favor, like, I would, I I don't know, like, 
Beverly would pass for Curry, which is a, which is good for Minnesota. But I just look at to me, Towns is soft. I know. Russell Towns like little... Draymond. Draymond would but, make life hard yeah. on him. You know what I mean? And he would. Yeah. Like Edwards would be fun in that series because Edwards could be cool, and I could see him having some big games, and and he would step up and play some good defense here and there. But yeah, the Towns would be a weird. But I mean, he... the one thing the one thing about Memphis is Memphis has um, Jackson and Tillman. I know you, everyone's like, oh, who cares? Well, the thing is, is like those guys went to state. Where does Draymond go run pickup games during the summer when he's in Michigan State? So you know what I mean? Like those guys have played against Draymond in pickup games and have trained with him. So they wouldn't be as intimidated by Draymond as I feel Towns would, even though Towns hands down is a better player than than those two, if that makes sense. Just because those two would be familiar with him having played against him in all the pickup games at MSU. Eric uh, will be hanging out with me all weekend long. Better than dot Vegas. Give us a follow on Twitter at BTV bets Friday, six o'clock PM Eastern time. We will talk uh, and dive into some props and any plays in the Memphis, Minnesota game. We, if Utah wins to uh, on Thursday night, then we will have a Saturday show to preview game seven of Utah, Dallas. If they don't, we'll have a Sunday show at noon and uh, we'll take a look at the Sunday games, and there may be a couple. There may be just one, but Eric, whenever there's games, we'll be talking about them there, and we'll continue to dive into the NBA throughout the playoffs here on That's What G Said. Man, thank you so much. Uh, what uh, what do you have coming up this weekend on the podcast? I know you've got some XFL gym talking to USFL. What, el- what else can we expect? Yeah, Jim's going to talk some um, USFL. Uh we killed it in our bets last week, so we're looking to continue that. Um, my buddy Brandon is going to come on, and uh, he's a professional eye racer. So all the NASCAR guys do get ready for the race, do the eye racing. So he competes against them, and then he comes on. We talk NASCAR. We give out some bets. We've been doing pretty well in that. Um, and uh, I'm going to have an NHL preview. My boy uh, Jason is. Twitter and Instagram handle is bully the line. He's going to come on and, uh, you know, he's going to give a little bit of a NHL preview. So yeah, should be uh, pretty good. And I'll give my thoughts about how the Lions so far haven't messed up this draft in the uh, first round recap. Mine. Okay. We'll have to talk some football with you next week too. We'll recap uh, what went down in the NFL draft. Eric, buddy, thank you so much. Have a nice weekend and uh, look forward to talking some NBA with you in the next couple of days. Sounds good. Talk soon. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll continue along and move on in to horse racing. Got a lot to discuss this weekend. Closing day at Keeneland, opening day at Churchill. Huge days at Santa Anita and Golden Gate on Saturday. We'll get to all of that in just a minute. racing fans many of us have been using the drf the daily racing form for years studying the races keeping up to date on news with all the articles i remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever i was going now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use drf with drf.com and the newly optimized drf mobile 
you can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and any horse that you click on you'll see the running lines you can easily move from horse to horse the same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances you get an interactive format which is Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Friday is closing day at Keeneland, so there's a big Keeneland game, a $25 entry. There's also a $75 game where a couple winners will get entries into the bigger Preakness game in just a few weeks. Another smaller game, a $2 game, where they pay out to the top five. You got a free ride at Golden Gate, Gulfstream, and Lone Star. Also, with some contests on Friday, then on Saturday, Gulfstream, Golden Gate, Santa Anita, Woodbine, and Hawthorne. All with stable dual games. I'll be focusing in on Keeneland for Friday. And then Saturday, Santa Anita. And Saturday, Golden Gate. Coming up right now. Right here. Make sure to get over to StableDuel.com. Check out the weekly schedule. And you can just click to download the Stable Duel app. Get those entries in and play, race, win. That's what we're going to be doing. As uh, we head on over to Keeneland. Get those past performances out. For Keeneland for Friday, closing day, April the 29th. We will move to race number three um, at Keeneland. And I'm looking towards the outside with Wilhelmina. This horse is uh, 
going to be making career start number three in career start number one, was a, a really solid third, then came back and ran behind a horse named Mercy Warren and hooked a, a tougher field on a good racetrack. Mercy Warren came out of that race to win next time out. Will Amina drawn to the outside and has a, a little more tactical speed, I think, than it might suggest just at first glance. I thought the th- uh, the number 10, Will Amina, 6-1 to one on the morning line, was a use in race number three. Let's move to race number five for uh, the next play here. Maiden special weight, six and a half furlongs, the distance. The number five, Devil's Glen, is a horse who I'm going to key off of the debut. It was good. It was at Ellis Park, finished second that day, then came back in uh, career start number two and hooked Cyberknife. And that was back in September. Now changes Barnes, comes into the Ethan West Barn. And Devil's Glen, we know that he can fire fresh. He's going to get Lasix for the first time. I think it's a good spot for Devil's Glen to make his return to the races. I'm going to use the number five. He's eight to one on the morning line. We'll use him along with the the number six Dominican Pioneer in all exotics. Let's move to race number six. I'm looking at a mile and an eighth turf race here. It's a non-three allowance. I thought the number eight. Zavy Davy was a bit intriguing here. Second start on turf was really, really good. It was going longer. He proved that he can sit, and anything close to that I think would be pretty tough in here. There's some upside with that just being his first turf start going long, and I love the fact that we know he's got some speed, but he can sit off a little bit. I'm going to use Zavy Davy along with the 6 and the 7 in here in race number 6 at Keeneland. Let's move along to race number seven. The two adds the blinkers here. Let's let my people go. He's 12 to one on the morning line. And he was fine sprinting on the dirt in his debut. He was a runner up that day. Then he went six and a half on the turf and he was very good that day. Also finishing second career start. Number three, he went longer. He ran into giant game and call me midnight who at that time were very good. That was in October. Then he didn't run from October to March showed back up going long on the turf showed a little tactical speed routing now he cuts back back to the dirt the blinkers go on second start at three second start off the bench I like the two let my people go 12 to one on the morning line anything around six to one we'll make a win wager there race number eight the number seven breeze rider is she good enough to win this race maybe but I think she should be out front cruising and at a big price of 15 to 1 on the morning line, she's worth including in lots of multi-race exotics and late exotics. She's the one to catch. Her last two defeats came behind Crazy Beautiful, who's a multiple graded stakes winner that's earned 988000 And also behind Coach, who's a multiple stakes winner. The only time she tried over a mile in the 16th, she didn't get the lead. I'm willing to give her another shot in here trying to get the lead. Because that's what she wants to do. She wants to get out front. She wants to, to slow things down. Breeze Rider will give her a shot trying to steal this race on the front end. In the ninth race, I did think Knee Deep in Snow. This is a horse who I, I like. Very talented. Has had a little bit of trouble last time out. And in a couple different spots. And with his best effort, he's pretty good. His A game is good. This might be a horse I build some late exotics around. 3-1 to one on the morning line. Brutal trip last time out. Race number 10, I'm looking at the one Naval Aviator. He's 10-1 to 1 on the morning line. He's going to go first-time turf. His dam was a graded stakes winner on the turf, earned over 530000 
No direct winning turf siblings, but he did catch a sloppy racetrack last time out. It was off a four-month layoff. He was he had a slow start, and he was just wide that day. The winner that day sat really close up, was within a few lengths, so it wasn't like a race where they came from way out of it. Now you go second off the short break. Pratt jumps aboard, saves ground on the inside, and gets to the turf where he's bred to uh, to be pretty decent. Naval Aviator, the number one I'll be using in all exotics there at 10 to 1. Anything around 5, we'd make a win wager. That is Friday closing day over at Keeneland. Let's move on to Churchill Downs as they have their opening day on Saturday. A couple plays over at Churchill. Got a couple for Churchill for Saturday, April the 30th, opening day. They're one week out from the Kentucky Derby. Let's go to race number four, and I'm looking at the six, Ginsburn, who had a little bit better than looks effort on paper, moved very wide, but all the way up into contention, was within two lengths and was a little flat late, off a few months, and should be sharper. Just keep an eye on the price. If this horse is anything around five or six to one, I'd want to make a win wager there and include in some exotics. That's race number four, the number six. As we move to race number six, the number three miss, uh, excuse me, race number six, the number six again, um, Miss Yearwood, three to one on the morning line, won't be a horse who's going to be a huge price, but maybe a, <clears throat> one that you can build some exotics around. Ran into Gratitude, who's a, more of a speedy type in the debut. And then career starts number two and three were, were both really good. Puts two starts together. She could take a little step forward. I think she'll be pretty tough in there. I'll treat her like an exotic single. In the eighth race, the number four would be my other play at Churchill Downs on Saturday. Clara Peters on the turn back. I love this cutback from a mile to five and uh, five and a half for this particular horse who should get a little more punch late. I think she's got enough positional speed just to keep her in striking range. So Clara Peters will be using in all exotics there. She's five to one on the morning line. I had her stacked more like a seven to two shot. So if she's anything in that range, let's play uh, her to win at Churchill on Saturday. Let's move from Churchill Downs Saturday to Santa Anita Saturday. They are back running at the Great Race Place after uh, a week and a half off. Get those past performances out for April the 30th. We're looking at Santa Anita Saturday, and I'm looking at race number one with the number six, Clean Karma. I've been following this horse for a little while, and that October 16th race would really stack up well in here. She's going to take the blinkers off, and and if you look at her form since that race, she ran into a horse named Tony Ann, who won three in a row. Then she ran into Bye Bye Birdie, who has won four in a row, and she hooked Bye Bye Birdie three races in a row. Two of them, she had legitimate trouble. She was a runner-up the other time, and her October race would really be right there. She's going to be a big price here. I like Clean Karma, the number six, who is 15-1. to one on the morning line. If we can get anything around 10, we'd make a win wager there. Moving along to Santa Anita's fourth race is the Kona Gold. It's just a really small field. It's not a race that I would bet at all. Brickyard Ride is going to be really tough to catch. Miles ahead is the other horse in there. They scratch strong Constitution, who's going to be running at Golden Gate. The sixth race is another stakes race on the card. That is the Grade 2 Californian. They'll go a mile and an eighth there. The older horses where express train's going to be pretty tough. I think Shaz, from a betting standpoint, if he's anything around 3-1 to one or so, he just feels like the the likeliest horse I could try to bet. Holding the loot, I could see this horse you know, being good for Sadler, but is he quicker than Shaz? 
I don't know. And if he tries to sit, is he going to sit and close with Express Train? I feel like Shaz might be able to get in front, and there's at least some upside with him. So the number four Shaz would be the play for me. No doubt Express Train, the horse to beat, but again, not a race that I'm in love with in short field like that. We get to race number eight at Santa Anita. On Saturday, a maiden special weight, six and a half furlongs, the distance. I'm looking at the seven banjo queen who's going to try the dirt for the first time. She's raced twice on the turf. Both times she drew down towards the inside. And in her most recent race, she was a step slow down there. And she moved through nicely up to third. She had some momentum, but she was inside behind horses and she just didn't really have anywhere to go. She got shuffled back a little bit and she was flat late. It was her first start in a couple months, and I think she'll be better getting off the inside. This barn's been rolling at the meet. The dam won three times on the dirt, and she produced four foals that are dirt winners. Second off the short break, and this is a horse who's been training on the Santa Anita dirt. So, shouldn't be an issue there with uh, a, a surface they seem to be familiar with. Let's give the seven Banjo Queen a look if this horse is anything around seven to two. We'll make a win wager in race number eight. Let's move to the 10th race, which is the Santa Margarita. I I just don't think there are any monsters in here. Miss Bigley is fine. She's got some ability. I think she is a a horse who is probably the most likely winner, but she doesn't scare you. Park Avenue was good on the turf last time out. Sure, she's got some ability to Varda. Okay, I thought the two, Bellamore. So she showed ability in her first couple starts. She was second both times for Chad Brown. She took money in both, but she was good. She had legitimate trouble in those races. Then she was off from October of 2020 to January of 2022. She showed back up in a sprint race, her shortest that she'd ever been going six furlongs. And it sort of felt like that was a prep. She had trouble in that race, and she ran into a couple next out winners. Um... Iconic Twist won a first level allowance next out, and Musica won next out, and then was second. On February the 26th, Bellamore went up to Golden Gate, going a mile on the synthetic she won nicely, broke her maiden. Came back on March the 25th at Golden Gate, she won nicely, sitting off the pace. Sat third last out within two, moved to the lead. Horse that she beat, Imperial Creed, came back to win next out. Fourth place finisher came back to win next out. She showed ability in the first couple with some trouble. Bellamore doesn't feel like this is really a, a deep graded stakes type race. So I wouldn't be shocked to see her run really well at a big price. She's 15 to 1 on the morning line. I'm going to use her in all exotics. I'm betting her if we can get around 10. In race number 11, it's the Charles Whittingham. Feels like a good spot for Dicey Mochara turning back. Mile and a half felt like it just was a tad too far for him. He wanted to go. He had to wait and kind of get wrangled down a little bit. They grabbed a hold. They settled him inside. He was third. He was about two, three lengths off chasing Acclimate. They, he was back to about five off as Acclimate moved for home. He did make a really nice move up to contend, up to second to challenge, but he was just second best that day. And the third place finisher came back to win next out. So the race has come back live. Third start of the form cycle for Dicey Mo Chara, the number four, who is four to one. On the morning line, and I'll treat like an exotic single. I'd actually play this horse if we can get anything over five to two. We get to the twelfth and final on Saturday at Santa Anita. They'll go down the hill, and I like the nine in here, Air Force Red, who is twenty to one on the morning line. His 
maiden breaking win was going six and a half furlongs. Then he faced winners last time out. He had a good start, but he was in tight down on the inside. He was just behind the leader. He got shuffled a bit. Nowhere to go. Kind of had to shift around. He was looking to alter course. And when he found some room, he was flat. He was still blocked a little bit. It was sneaky. Now he's going to cut back to six and a half furlongs. The horse who beat him, we actually see running in the stakes race earlier on the card from a class standpoint. I like the number nine at a big, big price in here. Air Force Red, 20 to one on the morning line. I thought this horse was more like an eight to one shot or so. So we'll use him in all exotics there. That is race number 12 at Santa Anita on a big Saturday card. It's Santa Anita. Whew. We'll head from Santa Anita to Golden Gate. Talk about big Saturday cards. They've got a big one. Get the Golden Gate pass performances out for April the 30th. Let's finish up the Saturday racing over at Golden Gate in race number six. We'll head races six through 11, all stakes races. Some of them huge fields. In, in race number six, I like the one Il Capitano. This horse looks like the one to catch on the inside. He wired a field up here in Northern California at Golden Gate back in November. He went a little too fast early on in the gold rush and then ran into too tough in the baffle. Came back from a, a, a layoff and stole a race on the grass here. Now heads into the Miotti Barn. Il Capitano, 6-1 to one on the morning line. Anything around 4 will make a win wager there. Let's move to race number 7. This is the Golden Poppy. They'll go a mile and a 16th on the turf course here. Some horses to use in exotics. I'll give you a few, but I, I, I lean towards the two Northwest Factor. Again, a situation where I think she may be the quickest in here, drawn down towards the inside. The one buyback should be able to, to sit in a nice spot. I think the eight's going to be pretty tough in here also. Bubbles on ice. Now, she's going to need a little help up front. She doesn't have a lot of early speed, so she's going to probably need a really good trip or hope they go quicker than they may end up going on paper. Avenue de France is the horse to beat. I'll probably use combinations of all of them. I stacked them 2, 4, 8, 1, and 6. Buy back with Maldonado aboard should be forwardly placed down inside in a race where, uh, yeah, you might be able to use many in here. The California Oaks race number 8. They'll go a mile and a 16th on the synthetic. I'm looking to Wendy, who was in some trouble last time out. I've chased her a couple different times where she's had trouble. She broke her maiden two starts back. And then on March the 26th, she was fifth to six early on. She was inside and she got pinned in. She got shuffled back to last. She was, you know, she lost about a length or two. She was four lengths off or so. And it just wasn't the best of trips down there. Now, we'll use exactly Wendy, who's 12 to one on the morning line, along with the three, my Kentucky girl, obvious horse to beat in there, uh, Sparka who is going to go second start off the bench and won pretty nicely. And then uh, looking at Anthony's Cleopatra, another obvious top-tier contender and major player. In the ninth race, it's the Grade 3 San Francisco. 14 horses, and you can make a case for so many of them. What a cool race here. I'm leaning towards the number 6, Evening Sun, who I, I think was a really nice winner and has been in excellent form as of late was sitting fifth or sixth moved uh you know about five lengths off moved up onto the heels of arrival in a bad spot had to steady then had to back out of that uh lost a couple lengths moved again this time went to the outside angled around three deep in between got straight late got up for the w seems pretty versatile seems pretty handy I'm using Evening Sun all over the place. Underneath, I'd use the 4 and the 5, Vansy and Jimmy Blue Jeans. If you wanted to go deeper, what's wrong with like all the horses towards the outside? You know, Restrained Vengeance, 
get her number and uh, Ecrivain. But we'll stack the six on top. Evening, sun, six to one, anything around four, we'd make a win wager there. Let's go to race number 10. That is the Lost in the Fog six furlongs on the synthetic there. And the number eight is where I will lean. That's Nero. This is a horse who was once really highly regarded in the Baffert barn. And it's not as if he's going to be outclassed by this group. I like the cutback to six furlongs. If you look at his recent pattern, he needed the race back in January off of a long layoff. Then in February, he went a little bit longer. Last time out, going six and a half was not bad at all in a race that's already come back live. He was 23 to one. He ran third that day and he was in the race till late. Now he turns back. I think there's a little something there right now with Nero. We'll use the eight, the two, any port in a storm, the four, better trip Nick, the six, strong constitution. They're all super logical. The nine, Italiano, would be another price horse I would include in some exotics. Let's get to the 11th at Golden Gate. It is the Camellia Urso, five furlong turf sprint. Lots of pepper looks like the quickest one down towards the inside. Maybe a little bit uh, overmatched as far as class, but five furlongs on the turf is what she wants to do. I'm using lots of pepper in all exotics. And the eight horse uh, revelation who feels like the one to beat does need a, a little bit of a trip though. Comes from off the pace, but she's really tough to hold off. Six-year-old mare who likes to win races. 2-8 for me to close things out at Golden Gate on Saturday. Best of luck all weekend long as we get ready for the big week next week. Kentucky Oaks, Kentucky Derby. We'll have tons of coverage for you right here on That's What G Said Podcast. Someone who's been with us from the very beginning, almost all 300 episodes, Cindy Carava, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Now, if you need anything in the field of real estate, go check her out. Look at the website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, CindyCarava.com. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can connect you to vendors or lenders. If you're just interested in home improvement, don't worry. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value, let you know where you stand. She can help you with the painters, with the landscapers, with the gardeners. She'll get you in touch with those lenders who are going to help you out with the home loan and getting pre-approved for that. One of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. She's going to make your life so much easier. CindyCarava.com Let's get into wrestling with Chad Cooper. We kick things off uh, talking some SmackDown, then Raw, NXT, and AEW every week right here on That's What G Said. You get recaps of all the major TV shows, all the big news in the world of wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is. Your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's time for This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. I wasn't sure if he was going to show this week. He was going to big time me with Chris Jericho. He had a little interview going on earlier, so I wasn't... I appreciate you were able to pencil me into your schedule, man. Just don't forget about the little people <laughs> up there with Jericho, you know. You know, I I should have told Jericho, hey, look, you know, I'm putting, <laughs> I, I, I'm putting you over, you know. 
and I shouldn't be putting you over. I should be putting over this week in wrestling on that's what G said. Oh, that's but great. Jericho, this time only, uh, you know, I, I'm I, I'm I'm putting you over. But you got <laughs> to talk a little music with Chris Jericho, which is really cool. So uh, looking forward yeah. to uh, to finding uh, to finding that when it comes out. Yeah, it'll come out later. Uh, it, it'll come out late. Thursday, early Friday. By the time everyone listens to this, uh, it'll be on my Twitter. So beautiful. Uh, yeah, good times with Fozzie. Awesome. Can't wait to hear more about that as we dive into everything going on in the world of wrestling this week and some of uh, that involved Chris Jericho. Let's start over on SmackDown. Last week, Xavier Woods defeated Butch <laughs> again, uh, which oh, well, we'll get into. Gunther with a, a squash win over Teddy Goods. We had. Riddle beating Jey Uso, Madcap Moss beating uh, Garza, and then the Lumberjack match with Drew McIntyre, and uh, he got the win via countout there over Sammy. So we opened up, we were in uh, New York, and Michael Cole and Pat McAfee uh, opened the show, and first up, it's Adam Pierce for the contract signing between Charlotte and Ronda. I mean, I gotta say... I they haven't hit a home run with this feud for most of it. It's been fine. Like I haven't hated it. I just haven't liked it. It's just been okay. It's you know nothing crazy. But the insertion of Gulak here, man, he's funny. He makes me laugh a little bit. And now I'm really curious if he's going to be someone that plays a part in this match or in the finish of the match. Is he going to be a ref in there? Is he going to come down? I know, is something going to happen with Gulak? I'm just I'm very curious. And uh, um. We saw Ronda uh, put Gulak in uh, submission here, and I mean, this was—I actually thought this was one of better Ronda's better outings. Most recently, she just didn't have to say as much. This is when Ronda's at her best when she's just able to kind of short stuff, talk tough, look tough. The crowd was hot, and and they were they were getting on, they were giving some heat to Charlotte. So Charlotte was taking some heat. So that really made Ronda. Uh, look good, and as you said, and we all know, over the last you know several years since Ronda joined the WWE, you know her strongest point hasn't always been on the mic. So when she says less, it's better. And I thought this segment was really good, and I actually think this match is probably going to be better than their WrestleMania match. I, I agree. There's a stipulation involved, um, and I'll say this, man, you talked about it last week. They they've got a new star. And Drew Gulak with the match. The fans popped. Um, you know, he, he he's always been entertaining. Arm. He used to do the PowerPoint presentation yeah. stuff, and people would laugh. And he was he was funny on two hundred five live. But he, I'm glad he's getting a little bit of a spotlight here because he's he's funny. Like he's got good comedic timing, and he sort of just gets he gets it. You know, I, and you know, the ending. He got put in an armbar, and she's signing the contract. Or I, I just. That was funny. While he's in the armbar, she's signing the contract. That was like a cherry on top. I'm hoping he's going to take a bigger role in the show. Uh, I thought maybe since Sonya has stepped back into the ring, but as you saw on Raw, you know, it looks like she's still going to remain a WWE figure. And I I don't know, authority figure. I I, I don't know what what I think about that. But nonetheless... This was a hot start to the show, and Drew Gulak has a lot to do with it. I'm, I, I, he's having fun with this segment, and the fans are enjoying it, too. Good hot start, good hot crowd to SmackDown. Hey, we got an Aaliyah sighting. She was backstage, and she had a little interaction with Ricochet. Now, 
I don't like it when Ricochet's losing three minute matches um, on Raw, and I don't like it when Ricochet's not on WrestleMania. Now, has Ricochet been beating the 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 top top tier talent most recently? No, but at least he's on. At least he's winning matches, and now they've got another match set up with him. I think next week against Shanky, he beat you know Jinder recently. He had the stuff with Garza um, and the, the Latin Lovers, and so. Get him on the TV, have him wrestle Have him win matches If you want, if you don't Take the title off him and put him on someone else That you are going to at least feature That's what they did with Theory on Raw Now, you know, and I think That's probably a good direction to go with Ricochet Keep putting him on TV Keep doing it, if not, take it off I don't mind these segments and when he's Having matches that he's winning I'm with you I I don't think um, I don't think Shanky wins the title um, it's going to be an interesting match because the contrast in size and style. I think gender there kind of getting pissed off at the end, and saying, "Wait a minute, I, you know, I, I thought, you know, he was, I was going to get the title shot. I, you know, I, I'm with you. If you're going to go with him as champion, go with him in ch- as champion in meaningful championship matches. D- don't do a fin. And I just feel. You know, I, I, I'm I'm okay that it's with Theory now because we're behind Theory and we're going to do it. That's what we should have done with Finn um, and earlier Intercontinental and U.S. champions. But look, you know, he's on every Friday. Um, it's just going to be an interesting match because the contrast and styles. But I do think they're going to get behind Ricochet here, and I, I don't see him losing the, this title on Friday night. Maybe uh, the the next gentleman could be a contender for this title or another one. Gunther gets a, a squash oh, yeah. win, so they just keep continuing to make him look good. And uh, you know, I think so far so good with you know give give him some squashes and then you know figure out a couple. Give him the ladder, right? One or two guys, and then oh, yeah. And, yeah. then a Kofi Kingston, maybe you know someone like that for him to beat along the way. People who have. Some some meaning and you could say oh he just Beat a former world champ you know things Like that and then maybe you know put him Into you know that some of the, the more important Matches I think they've from a presentation Standpoint I, I think they've done a good job so far With him and, and you know what Kudos again to Pat McAfee Th- During this match with Teddy Goods McAfee was just On a roll about This jobber Teddy Goods about How the night before he had Won a what a 25 man battle royal <laughs> to get the opportunity. It's so great. Work. And then he like, I don't know if it was a slip. I think he I, I think he did accidentally mispronounce Gunther and call him Gunther. And then Cole fed off of it. And then during the match, they're going back and forth. I thought that was fun. But this dude is ready. I, I mean, he just is. I, I he looks like a machine. He's well polished. Um, I, I just think the sky is the limit for this guy. And 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 it's good to see an NXT call up getting an immediate push. Um, mm-hmm. This is what you do: you bury guys, then move up the ladder, as you said. But it's good to see someone come up from NXT and actually be used in the right way. It's hard not to when you have somebody like this guy. So we had uh, RK Bro and Drew McIntyre backstage, and they linked up, and Randy and Drew kind of buried the hatchet for any former, uh, you know, feuds they had, and they shook hands. And Drew Drew said, "Hey, I love what what you're trying to do to the bloodline. So that that's good by me." And in the background, you got Sami Zayn. He's just lurking. <laughs> He's like hiding, Lurker. and he, he he overhears what's going on. And so later, 
Sammy Zayn actually, Sammy Zayn actually goes into Roman's locker room, and he's. It was he, that was so funny when he walked back there. Man, it was amazing. I, it it was, was, was one of my favorite parts of the show, Gino. It was so great, and the, um, the he comes back right after. So the Usos uh, end up. Lose a uh, Jey Uso ends up losing to Riddle in a, a good match, like you'd expect from these very two guys. Good match. Solid 10, 10, 12, 13 minute match, really solid. The RK Bro and the Usos have been a major part of both shows, uh, post Mania, and they've been doing a great job. I think that match might do you think that or the Becky or the Ronda match main events? I Ronda think, Charlotte. Well, look, here's the deal it is, it's is it it's next weekend, right? Or is it no, it's this weekend. Is it this the, Sunday? Ne- no, next Sunday. The yeah, I think it's and, next and, Sunday. And you 8th, know right? what? I've I've still heard that Roman Reigns is still going to be in action. I, I don't know how or what. It doesn't seem like that to me. You've got two SmackDowns to promote this pay per view, which it's not the biggest pay per view, but you know what? It is a pay per view, and you've got to send people to the Peacock app. I I would think you end with with Charlotte and Ronda. Uh, but if Romans defends this title against somebody, then yeah, in a week, then you have to go with Roman. But I'm with you, man. Sami Zayn lurking around and then going up to Roman and say, "Man, this is what I've heard." I, he goes, you know, he goes I, first. I, let me let you know, I acknowledge you. And yes, he, and that and was boom. I popped. I me popped. too. And he like bows. He bows. He goes, "Just look. Let me look. Just let me tell you, you know." And he's just so slimy and Weasley. Here's what happened. You know what he explains <laughs> that Drew McIntyre and RK bro, they're together. They're going to team up and Why don't you You know it's just It was great stuff man It was so funny and So uh, I mean Sammy has been extremely Entertaining now for uh, a little While and, and he he did a great job On Friday on Smackdown We had uh, A little entering promo From Naomi And Sasha and now it looks like Natty and Shayna are going to be the next To face them that's fine you know just hope that we don't get the musical belts again, right? Let me if it's gonna be Sasha and Naomi, maybe let him have it for a little while. At least they'll be on TV and maybe be in some feuds. Um, this is a, a title situation that's usually not that great, but hey, these are four that can go. So I, I if we get a good match at the pay-per-view with these four, I'm sure it'll be uh it'll be fine. And then uh Happy Corbin sort of asking Madcap Moss to come back. He he said no thanks He went out and beat uh, what, Angel Garza there So Mad Cat Moss on a win streak They're pushing him What do you think about uh, what they're doing with Moss I, I, I like him um, it's, uh, it's an interesting way to go about doing it um, I, I guess probably he and, and, and Corbin Probably uh, I, I don't know if that match is set for backlash or not but it, it's a new baby face and a different style of baby face. It's one that breaks off from uh, kind of a managerial role that we hated at the beginning. We just thought this was the stupidest thing. Um, but then we saw the guy get in the ring and he can go. So I, I think if they get some more wins behind him, and again, it, it not just wins, some meaningful wins and good match time. The only problem was this was like a two-minute match. Let me let me get a little more time with Madcap in the ring, um, and I think you get you have something here with a mid card, uh, a new mid card baby face here that can that can challenge for a title or two. I I like the guy. He's I, I've warmed up to him. 
He can really go in the ring. Once we get a complete separation from this Baron Corbin storyline, happy Corbin storyline, I think it'll be better for him. We got another uh, chapter of the Lacey Evans story, and I just I feel like some of it comes off just a little forced or just a little disingenuous, or it, even though it's not, and that that's that's the problem with stuff like this is that it, you the fans. Can can sense what they're doing, right? They want they're right. trying to make you like her. They want you to like her, and so sure. they're they're having her tell these sad stories about things that really happened to her in her life. She said something that was kind of weird. She said she, said she feels bad for people who haven't been put in dangerous situations to find themselves. It's like what? Like <laughs> people that haven't been. I understand what she mean what she meant, right? Because she's because of the problems and the. The the places that she's been She's learned a lot and she's become very strong And she's made it through but it's like So because people haven't had that You feel bad for them I don't I don't know Yeah, it's yeah just, this, this this one was a weird one She There were some good points in there talking I completely about, agree and some of the Some of them hit home but then there's other did. Where it's like maybe it's a little too long I think yeah. maybe they would be could They could be like little 30 second clips Perhaps they'd and be a little better if they were need, quicker and, and here's the thing she's not brand new we don't need to be reintroduced to her now. If you no. want to do snippets and and do live promos with her, she number one, she looks fantastic. She really does. She's um, in incredible shape after the baby. Yeah, and, and she Which, does have a fantastic and phenomenal story. Yep. Maybe when she gets in the ring, this will be all for nothing. But we were worried about this. We were worried about. I remember saying, if we walk to get her into the ring. This may not be good for Lacey Evans, but if we can get there in a hurry without telling this week in and week out, it's kind of like the Zia Lee deal. We saw another promo with her, and it's like, uh, well, where's she been? It's like uh, Aaliyah. Uh, she looks phenomenal. Where's she been? So it had some good points, but this was probably the worst of the three. I think this was the third one, part three. Mm-hmm. I think this was the worst of the two. I agree. It's time to get her in the ring uh, immediately. immediately. I agree. We got to the Lumberjack match Sammy versus Drew And as you would expect Sammy's able to find a way to weasel his way out again uh, He tries to, cut, to run out a few different times And then he finally gets the chance Hops over the barrier And runs away through the crowd There's a cool moment at the end Where Drew uh, leaps over the top And takes out a bunch of the Lumberjacks And the fans are going crazy there And it was <laughs> it was fun it, The Lumberjack matches all, on Sometimes you're like, oh, Lumberjack But they end up being pretty fun Because you know there's always yeah. going to be a big brawl or two That'll break out And Adam Pierce said that next week We're going to get a steel cage match As uh, Sammy won't be able to run away from Drew next week So It's going to be it's going to be a, a good smackdown You have yeah. that you have the beat the clock, I quit challenge with Rhonda and Charlotte, Ricochet and Shanky. And then uh, we're, we're going to see Raquel uh, Rodriguez uh, make her main roster in-ring debut. So it ought to be a fun Friday night on SmackDown. Let's get on over to Monday Night Raw from April the 25th. We had Bianca Belair defeat Sonya Deville. We had Veer versus Sam Smothers in a squash. The arm wrestling <laughs> challenge, Bobby Lashley and Omos. It was over the top, baby. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah. We had uh, Tamina and Akira beat Dana and Reggie. And we had Damian Priest beat Finn Balor, Mustafa Ali. Sighting. That was really cool. 
to see him and the way he was presented like a baby face, which is what he's wanted and someone who could really inject a little life into the mid card. And we uh, we also got some tease of uh, what we'll talk about Champa, which should be pretty cool. And we got the raw tag team champions RK bro in a fun eight man tag main event. RK bro, Cody and Ezekiel beating the Usos, Seth Rollins and KO. This was Randy Orton appreciation night because this was Randy <laughs> Orton's 20th anniversary, which That's is crazy. Damn, because he still looks great. He still moves at almost the same type of pace and clip as he could before. And he's been rejuvenated over the last year or so and everything that he's been doing with Riddle. So this was a fun Opening segment it helped set up the big Main event that we had an eight man tag at the End of the show and I thought There were a couple things about This and, and the match at the end One it it was good To me it says good for Ezekiel that he's placed With these guys yes right in Like Smart move on, on this level Because it makes you think all of a Sudden okay this is this is probably a spot that Elias may not have been in and and they treated him like a joke a lot and they didn't really give him big wins in the ring even though it's not like Elias Ezekiel is the most incredible in the ring but he's fine and if you want to make him credible you have to have the guy in some feuds and win a little bit so I, I like that he's wrestling with these guys in the main event I thought that was good and Cody and Randy having their little interaction was fun. I'm sure we'll get a Cody Randy match at some point with the history that those two guys have. And I liked, I liked a lot of this with, with you know, the KO and Ezekiel stuff. Still isn't old yet. I want to hear Zeke speak, baby. And <laughs> I just can't wait when they show. They better have filmed some vignettes with Elias. And we're going to get yeah. him at some point So that way Zeke's going to be like Look Elias is in the back right now You know and Elias Hey do you want to You know he comes up And he's got the beard and everything So we we have to get that But I'm this isn't old for me yet It's still funny Kevin Owens has been doing a great job I thought everybody did a really good job To open the show and to close it And it it felt sort of like house showy But in a good way you know, like this is the this is one of the positive things you like about a house show when you get the fun. This is like a Survivor oh, yeah. Series match at the end, you know, like an old school Survivor sure. Series team up. First, let's talk about Randy Orton real quick. Uh, 20 years. Just think of how many professional wrestlers uh, on the WWE level or at any level are still just as relevant as they are today and can do it in the ring and still have your wits and be healthy. Uh, it's amazing what this guy has been able to do. So it was fun to see that uh, at the beginning of Raw. And the main event was uh, really good. You know, someone mentioned it on Twitter, how the kind of upper physique of Ezekiel with the tassels kind of reminds them of the upper physique Tassels of the ultimate warrior Oh yeah, oh yeah And they're, inter- and they're Look, we're not going to put paint on his face We know that, but it's just I, I'm good to see that And it's great to see Kevin Owens still You know, hey, this guy's a liar You know, he He, he, he cheated on his Lie detector test last week It was a good solid main event Though, you know, it's uh, I've always said, look, house shows Are fantastic to go to, go to. Uh, in WWE because you get more match time, you get fun matches. 
um, this was fun. There, you know, it, it wasn't something um, that was built and didn't deliver. Because uh, sometimes a lot of six man or eight man, it kind of gets lost, and it's eh, and it definitely from start to finish, it was good, a good match. And yeah, I, I think they're solid behind Ezekiel here. And I think with with all these guys, they can all one off on each other and work some really good matches. I, it was fun. It was fun. I liked the opening. I liked I liked everything with the with all of them here. We got Kane and Bianca Belair. Oh wow! I wonder what they were talking about. Probably not. Probably, probably not politics, right? <laughs> no. probably, probably not politics backstage. I think uh, some folks that were uh, from their hometown, Kane, Bianca Belair, Randy Orton, all, and it was surprising that we didn't. I'm surprised that we didn't stretch this out a little bit more, and that they did it in Bianca's hometown, which is funny because that's not like a yeah. Vince thing, right? Vince is normally right. the one that wants to bury you in your hometown. So for them to like want to rush this match and and not just do this match, they could have done this match at the pay per view and it'd been fine there. This is this is like an old school uh, territories Jerry the King Lawler heel trope kind of thing that you would do in a match where you know you stop the match three different times. I think Dude Love did this in a match with Stone Cold. You know Austin or they did a version of really? this with with McMahon and the Stooges right after Austin won the title. When he beat Shawn Michaels and Austin was the champ in, in 98 I think okay. they did this at one of the pay-per-views Where he wrestled Dude Love And they had this, they kept stopping the match over and afterwards And they would say, oh, it's going to get restarted now as a no DQ Oh, it's going to get restarted now as a falls count anywhere you know. And they kept trying to get him to win with the, with the Stooges there But it didn't work out So this is something they've done forever It just it, it felt really rushed the whole thing didn't, I didn't like, like it yeah didn't take a whole lot no. like I wouldn't no it just you it, and so so to me it doesn't have any meaning when it's really when it's like rushed through like that and you sort of made Sonya Deville who can actually go look just like a complete joke like a complete joke there the only good the only good thing uh that I thought about this whole you know I think it was a total of seven. Seven and a half minutes uh, with with Sonya and Bianca um, was the crowd was definitely behind Bianca, but Carmella and Zelina and, being and out there. Bianca didn't look like didn't get stupid rolled up. She didn't look no, dumb anyway, no. right? She looked like a no. smart person who was like, "I know what's going yeah. on, and I'm just going to beat you repeatedly." So that, and that, that, that was that was. About as good as you can get because I, I don't like the restarting of the matches. It just seems like no, it's, it's kind it's of old been school. there. It's it's wonky. Yeah, it, it's, it's been done. Yeah, and it makes Sonya look bad. And you know, it, it, again, the crowd was behind her. Bianca came out fine. Sonya didn't. But then post match, we have a segment backstage where Sonya goes off on bo- both Zelina and Carmella, slaps them both in the face. And that's when we hear, hey, I'm still a WWE official. And I went, uh, you know, are we still going to do this? So I, I don't know. I would have rather that match be on the pay-per-view yes. next week. Yep. I would backlash and build it up and say, hey, Bianca's a two-on-one match with Carmella and Zelina. And Sonya's out there. And maybe after she beats one of them and she beats both of them, then we can restart it with those three. But keep Sonya out of it and keep her at ringside because now it's like, I have a feeling we're going back to that match again at Backlash. I really yeah, do. And if we feeling. get, we really shouldn't, right? We there's no reason, and that's what that's no, what's important. It's not good. There's zero like reason it. for Bianca and 
and Sonya to have another match. And if if at the very least this week or coming up soon we get a, a segment where Adam Pierce gets to come out and sort of embarrass her and tell her she's no longer an official, she's back to just being a wrestler, and then she gets right. her butt kicked by a couple people. Well, okay, then that's fine. And then she's back in the uh, the women's division. But even if that's the case, you could have made her look a little stronger. Like I don't want her to beat Bianca. No way, but Sonia can go in the ring She's really good There's no reason why she couldn't have looked a little bit more competent Like someone who actually could have had a chance to maybe beat Bianca And then if you wanted her to pull the Weasley stuff after But it just didn't It didn't work what they were going for And you made Sonia look bad And then after it's like Okay, she slapped Zelina and Carmella But I'm, I'm supposed to root for them They've been like They're heels that I don't give me any reason to want to root for them ever So we'll see what happens moving forward But it it feels like for her the, the, the You know in a month or two What makes the most sense would absolutely be Rhea Right? Oh yeah 100%. That, that would be yeah. perfect oh, the, yeah. the newly turned Rhea Who feels like she should be the one to uh, To go after Bianca coming soon We got Veer in a squash there And uh, actually before that we got a little bit of a Priest and Edge backstage And then we see Priest and Edge uh, Man it's hard for me to get into that Me Gina. too I'm just going to say Sorry. I don't like this kind of stuff It doesn't no. I, I get I get it I get the darkness thing The ministry of darkness the I do too thing, right? Like I get why they will do some of it But for me personally I don't get into it After a certain while I started tuning Bray Wyatt out. I started. Sure, I, I, I don't too. get into it with Alistair Black and the the House of Black. I don't get into it with Joe Gacy. So if anyone's gonna say that I don't, I have a problem. <laughs> you can literally look to any place, and I'll tell you if it's in WWE, NXT, or AEW, I'm not gonna like it. I just don't. It was different when we were younger and the magical, spooky stuff. It it worked sure. with the Undertaker, and other than that, that's it. It doesn't really it. work It's very rarely no. ever worked Like Lucha Underground could do some cool stuff Because they presented it that way from the beginning But the spooky, mystical I mean Sting in 97 Was sort of like pretty cool That Crow Sting Where you could maybe You know But anytime you get the magic stuff in I just am not a big fan of it, Coop No, and I think it was presented the wrong way At WrestleMania Right, that's when Damian Priest or Priest or Damian, I don't, I don't know what we're going by each week. You know, that he gets involved in the Edge AJ match at WrestleMania, right? That's when we kind of know something is odd, and it's just I, I'm not into it. I understand the direction they're going. Uh, I don't think it's hit home, and I don't think we're the only two that don't like this. No, it just it hasn't connected, and it's just weird to me that Edge at this point of his. He has to be like all in on this, right? Yeah, I'm sure you that would think, at this point Edge, in his career, yes. You you're imagine I'd imagine that he gets to sort of I'm not saying creative control with everything who he wins and loses over and if he gets the belt, but I'm sure he gets to sort of pick and choose what he wants to do and who he wants to work with and sort of agree, yeah, I'm going to do this. I can't imagine this isn't Edge 2 years or 5 years into the company. So, this is something that I'm sure he probably is very into and it just it's not clicking this like evil vampire mentor. It's sort of like he's trying to do a brood thing again. And I just don't, I don't, I wanted to give it more. And if, if it hits, I will, but I just, I haven't seen it really hit no. all, all that much yet. Uh, Veer got the squash there. 
And then we got the arm wrestling contest Omos <laughs> versus Lashley So uh, At least Lashley went over in the arm wrestling yeah, contest Yeah, at least I he would went not have believed this. And it's so funny that Any Omos Who's not He can't really talk very well And they can't find a way to present him But if you hear him in like interviews Or if you've heard He was like rapping at one of the Wrestlemania events One of those nights where a bunch of people were there And he's like incredible It's really funny that there are guys that have this That they can't find a way to get it To present it To express it, yeah On TE, you know, they just have to present him like Veer, big guy Um, Omos, big guy That's all they can do with them is just Big imposing person Are you, now I'm getting mixed feelings here With with Lashley and Omos This this went exactly how I expected it to go The arm wrestling At least it wasn't cheesy You know, MVP low blows him And then Omos wins Because, you know, we know are are you interested in all in another match? Do you care about Lashley Omos coming up at a backlash or, Here's, or on Raw next week? Or, or I care or more about it with this? MVP. Like I okay. think it's better. Oh, like, sure, absolutely. Right, I'm absolutely. more interested with MVP around. I think he can do more from the outside and and with the the past that they have, I'm, I'm at least more interested. But I keep thinking back to that match that just wasn't that great, and it's like, it's going to be that much better. Than it was at Wrestlemania And it wasn't Like I just I'm checked out a little bit on Omos I need I need yeah, to see I, more I, am, I, am. I, I need to see I, more again, I, I go back with AJ Styles I don't know what we were doing there um, It didn't hurt AJ Even though he's in a You know a feud with the With the darkness uh, With with Edge and Priest But I, I, I just Don't think that was the right way to bring him in I don't know It just felt odd from the beginning And look I've always been a fan of the the big giants in wrestling, but uh, as much as we popped when Omos and Lashley and Omos and a couple of the guys kind of faced off in battle royals of the last year, just something is not uh, just something's not hitting home. I, I'm interested to see how their next match will be, and that's it. I it, it, it that's it for me with 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 this storyline. I, I we need to move somewhere else with it. The problem is, what do you do with Lashley? We still got Roman. Who is he hurt? Is he not? He's got two belts. And that's the problem that that, that needs to be talked about. Because they're not mentioning. They don't even mention that Roman's the champion of Raw. No, Luke, we're not even mentioning anything about Brock Lesnar. Nothing. You know, at least Roman's on TV a little bit. And we know Brock was not going to be on. But we've, like, stopped talking about it all together. And I I don't like that either. And Roman doesn't have to be doing a bunch on both shows. But you should get something of him. With Take just it on a, Friday night to show it on Yeah, Monday. just like a mention of the Hey, anyway. by the way, don't forget I'm still the Raw champion right now There's just this nobody is what you were wor- This is what we were worried about Especially yep. you with having unified champions right? Yep. And it's kind of felt It's kind of made Raw Feel a lot less important than And they're that. lucky They're lucky that Cody came in And has sort of taken oh, yeah. that kind of place right? And you know He's, what, this may be I think this was planned you're right. Of, it feels so planned. Because they're it like, okay, so well, planned. Cody's not the champ, but he's sort of this new guy who we're placing towards the top of the card, and we're kind of he's going to be in in a lot of our main events, and yep. yeah, and we'll yep. build him for a little while. So yeah, it it just you, you feel it where there's no major title there for someone to to shoot for or just to be reminded about. Tazawa and Tamina get a win in a 
a little tag And then after the match R-Truth tries to pin Dana But she runs off So I mean just quick As long as the 24-7 stuff is quick It doesn't ever bother me It's only when it goes a little a little longer than needed uh, Becky Becky's back Yeah this was good This, this was, was good. really good And she said it's been three she's years She's got a bizarre look now man. I know it's like, like Bowie Seth. You never know what she's gonna Yes and I love some David Bowie Right Right. She, uh, this, she, this, was, this was really good to see her come back I was hoping uh, that she would come back sooner rather than later And uh, the unfortunate part, man, is when she comes back And who we got the surprise uh, Her next opponent, her next storyline It just feels bigger than the women's championship you're right. No, That's you're the right. only point, because she's so massive she's You're right so massive. Th- This is one of the highlights for Raw to me This was a good segment here Asuka shows up and interrupts Becky and Asuka gets a huge, huge uh, response So she's been gone for almost a year now She was injured And she says Asuka's going to stop Becky And no one is ready for Asuka She dances around And remember, Asuka has beaten Becky previously And has, uh, has. a really good record overall against Becky So someone that they could at least build up like, um, And maybe they do have Asuka beat Becky and Becky have sort of a losing streak that makes her turn babyface. You know that that finally makes her crack. Like a loss to Oscar is no problem, and a, lo- a loss to Bianca, and then maybe it's it's that that ends up sending her on her road to you know being a babyface. Maybe win the Rumble and to go take the other title from Ronda. I don't know. That's just the, the long term booking. But I'm excited. You're and you're 100 percent right though. It is. It's sort of AEW-ish in that it felt like <laughs> the ti- the main women's title on Raw isn't going to be as big as what we have here. So you wonder even if if Be- uh, Bianca's got anything at the pay-per-view because we're probably going to get Becky Oscar uh, there, right? Uh, I You know, unless they're going to build this up a little bit more, I don't – look, Asuka coming back from a year feels massive. It feels she's, – she's a major player. Becky can't immediately go over her. I would like to see Asuka immediately go over Becky. Me too. She's having a downer. Um, She just lost the title. She's not in the right frame of mind. She can do a Seth Rollins, you know, and just be this this next gimmick. The next week she comes out, she looks completely different. I think Asuka, we got to be careful here. I think Asuka needs to go over Becky when they work. I really do. I do too. We saw this one coming. We do. Uh, Finn Balor was going to be in some trouble, oh, yeah. and he he loses to Damian Priest. Uh, and you just sort of wonder why or why he's someone that they haven't they haven't wanted to get behind again after you give him that first ever Universal Title. He was so great in NXT with everything he did. Yeah, and then they, the whole demon. Look, you know, remember, hey, look, we, we sent him back down to NXT, right? Yeah. To build that brand back up and get some more pop on Tuesday nights, and he did. So he can't go back down again. No, right? that would be and, that would be the third time. So, this match. Look, I should have been excited for it, but I think we went into knowing when you know someone's going to get buried, even though it might be a decent match. It just does something. It just this match didn't do anything for me. It really didn't. It's a bummer. Damian Priest gets the win, and uh, I just don't even know how much more we're going to see Finn Balor. Unfortunately, and uh, we got Miz TV with Theory. And Miz. interesting segment here because I thought Miz was I thought they were he was kind of maybe turning babyface. It was very bit. weird. Yeah, it felt like Miz felt like Miz was someone who was gonna maybe he was trying to he was trying to like. And mentor. I think we might be going to that. 
think yeah. he may be going to this. I, he I was like sort this. of mentoring or telling Theory, hey, you know, be careful. I've been down this road before, you know. But then Mustafa comes out and he uh he was actually presented like a baby face, which is really crazy. Well. And and he got to just sort of be, be natural and say, "Look, I thought you were going to come out here for a U.S. Open challenge. I want to win that title. I want to face you." And Ali talked some trash to Miz. They ended up having a match: the Miz versus Mustafa Ali. And Mustafa Ali gets the win. And uh, I actually thought it actually was pretty good. It ended up cool. Um, Ali's on the entrance and Miz is in the ring and then here comes Champa and he just crushes Ali out of nowhere and Champa looks strong so Ali gets a yeah. win and then Champa looks strong here I thought this was pretty cool all around I'm excited for Champa I'm and I thought both Ali and Champa were presented pretty well here yeah and and kudos for the WWE for not just totally Totally crapping out on Mustafa Who has been You know very vocal on social media About mm-hmm. uh, not being happy Not being used we all know the backstory. Mustafa was supposed to have Kofi's run a couple of years Ago didn't work out uh, He's just He, he was uh, what was what was the group That came in from NXT uh, That Mustafa was was put in part Of um, Anyway he didn't fit In retribution well with him. Retribution didn't work at all for any of those guys, and heck, we don't even really see those guys anymore. Uh, I thought it was well. The Miz one lined him a couple of times. Uh, do you even go here? Didn't you take your ball and go home? I thought that was a good setup. They made uh, Mustafa look strong, and as you notice, it looks like we're going with Champa as the name. We're not going to go Tommaso. So it looks like WWE is starting to uh, use the. Uh, the one name WWE mm-hmm. superstars now because the announcers were calling him Ciampa. So Tommaso has dropped and uh, I'm all in for uh, Mustafa and Ciampa to have a match on Monday Night Raw. All in for that because that's going to be some good wrestling. Rhea looking uh, very good backstage cut a promo and she was starting to tell us a, a little bit about why she attacked Liv. She wanted to be women's champion, but she's been stuck. This was perfect. This is like exactly what we wanted from Rhea. And then Liv attacks her and they start to brawl. So uh, great. I think we get a match between the two of them. Rhea should win and move uh, on her way up. I still hope it's not. I don't want it to be a complete squash because they've done a good job with Liv, but Rhea should win, look good, look heelish, and then move on her way. And maybe you give Rhea one more win over someone. And then give her get her to uh, Bianca. Yeah, and you know what? I I, I would not be surprised. Uh, I I don't know what the the long time long term goal is with Bianca. That's what's interesting here. Um, she's over. She's good. Um, I don't want Rhea to catch some fire here and then immediately just be squat not squash. But Rhea should win the title at SummerSlam. That's where I'm going. Okay. Yes. This needs to be a SummerSlam match. It needs to, um, you know, it's probably not going to be the first time they meet. Maybe so, because look, we're, we're already basically in May. Uh, we're going to get some pretty big, uh, can't you, now, would you like to see Rhea win the money, money in the bank? Don't they do that on the women's side too, or no? They do. 
And I could okay. I could 100% see that happening. Would you like to see her take that route and her cash it in if Bianca's working someone at SummerSlam or 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 would you rather just rehab them? I would like to see her have that briefcase. I I would be new. fine with it. I'd be fine with and it. She'd be a good heel with it. She could be a very good heel with it. I think she would. She's a heel. She could like deck it out a little bit, right? So it could yeah, be like yeah. punk, punky, uh, sure, the briefcase. Sure. She could make it have a, a Rhea authentic look. And I hope that she is the one because Bianca, she she got what she needed. She needed the win over Becky, right? That's yeah. that's that's what she needed. She needed the big win over Becky to get that comeuppance. And now she can lose to Rhea, and that you can have a really fun years feud between these two, where they go back and forth. For years and It won't hurt Bianca at all we saw Bianca was fine when she didn't have the title She was on TV plenty she Was still over I think it'll be good And it'll be fine for her and uh, I think we end up hoping I hope we end up Getting there where uh, we get a good Rhea live match and then we get Rhea on the Way to head on over to Bianca we talked about The main event Orton Riddle Zeke And Cody Rhodes get the Win there as we move Along to NXT Tuesday night, April the 26th. Von Wagner beat <laughs> Tony D. I mean, come on here. Come on here. Um, yeah, we got Katana Chance and Caden Carter pick up a win over Ulysses Leone and Valentin Feroz. Legato Del Fantasma beat Briggs and Fallon. Solo Sokoa beat, beat Trick Williams. Viking Raiders showed up defeating uh, Blade sure. and Inofe. And Mandy Rose in a good match. Mandy looks like she's in incredible shape right now. Like she's yes. like even thinner than normal. And she beats yes. Roxanne Perez. So we actually opened it up with the Nikita Lions last legend match. And these two are really good. Together they have a good chemistry They're improving each and every week Nikita Lyons is over as hell And what I like about When they're in the ring They're not trying to have like a 15 minute Sort of choreographed type match Like they act like they were there in a fight Two very athletic Bigger women that are just Trying to brawl and they don't like each other No There there was a couple of little hiccups In this match but you know it happens, and it and I, I think it was Lash who took, uh, or was it Lions? Lions took a nasty spill outside the ring, I, you know, almost head first to the floor. Um, and I thought that could be interesting, but I, I'm all in. Uh, next week, I think we get a tag match, right? Uh, as as we go through this match, um, that damn Natty, that Jezebel, as Jim Ross would call, uh. You know, certain women who would interfere in matches, uh, she gets involved here, so it sets up an interesting tag. But Nikita Lyons is over, Gino, and I think she right now, if she appeared on SmackDown Friday night, which she's not because SmackDown's in London, and I think SmackDown is taped this week. But if she appeared on SmackDown or Raw Monday night, I think these people are going to know who this know who she is. If they didn't, they'd know pretty quick. She she's a star. She's over in NXT. Nikita Lyons, uh, big, big things coming from her. So after the match, uh, Natalia and Lash double team, Cora Jade makes the save, and we're going to get that tag team matchup. Yeah. Uh, next spring week. Br- next week, right? Yeah, that's what we got set up. So Tony D is backstage, and he's making fun of Zion Quinn for not being medically cleared. And then he's ripping on Von Wagner. And uh, 
we actually see that Tony D <laughs> it, later on in his match with Von Wagner is going to get nailed by Santos. He hits him with a pipe. He takes out his leg. I guess it was a baton. And so at least there was a little bit of reasoning why yes. he lost and it sets it up. But I mean, I don't like Von Wagner getting victories like this over our boy Tony D here. But they, they, this is a fun feud between the two of them. Like I like that they they fired back with the after the fish and now they hit the baton. And I think it'll be fun. But God, not Von Wagner here. Come no, on. and I'm gonna just be honest. I don't like Von Wagner at all. Um, I, I just I, he's your boy the caveman guys. <laughs> yeah, a frozen caveman lawyer to the late great uh, Phil Hartman uh, Saturday Night Live. I'm just a caveman. You know, he'd lose every case and they'd go, well, we've, you've lost again. And he'd look at the camera and go, but I'm just a simple caveman. You know, something like that. I don't know. Don't don't quote me on it. But <laughs> I, I, he's just going to be one, one of these guys that, man, he doesn't do a whole lot for me. And I love uh, the Robert Stone brand. I think it's. It's not as good as it once was. This doesn't work with him. You know, Von Wagner's really not even in a storyline anywhere. And maybe he's just, a, he was that, he was the right person at the right time for this, this attack. You do have that, but man, you have Tony D and Escobar in this, this good little storyline here. And it ends with him losing. Maybe we won't care about it in a week or two, but it's something we don't want to see on a guy that's, that you're trying to build up because I just don't know what you do with Von Wagner from on, on every Tuesday. I, I really don't. I He's not going to be a good champion. I'm sorry for the Von Wagner fans that are out there. I love me some Robbie Stone, but this ain't it, Robbie. Von Wagner. So the Diamond Mine <laughs> is backstage, and Roderick Strong is he's getting ready. To, we're getting ready to get the turn here from him. Yeah, we're getting the turn he's here. Yeah, kind of ripping on them, and and uh, you know he's blaming the Creed brothers. Even though when's the last time he's won anything? You know, True. and he's telling True. them he's four matches in a row or this and that. So later on in the night. We see the Viking Raiders in a match And we are going to get the Viking Raiders next week Hey, this is good use of them These were guys that were treated much better On NXT We don't see much of them on Raw or SmackDown And when we do, it's not a lot Let them come down here And and go to blows with the uh, the Creed Brothers Uh, It's going to be a fun match I'm looking forward to it Uh, It's going to be interesting to see Uh what happens uh do the creed brothers go over the viking raiders do the viking raiders go over the creed brothers is it clean is uh is roderick strong going to get involved is an is another team going to get involved so hey it's something new it's two guys veterans on on a roster coming down what don't what don't you like about this I, i really like this i like the way wwe is sending Guys and girls down to Tuesday nights Because it's really been intriguing And fun stuff So After Tony D and Vaughn Wagner We got Roxanne Perez backstage And that ended up setting up a a match For later on in the night I thought the match was pretty good To be honest Between Mandy and Mandy looks like she's in Just the last few weeks Like It's not as if she was ever Big But Mandy's always been kind of thick you know, she's not been like a tiny, tiny, petite person. And she looks a lot thinner right now. And she just looks fantastic. Take the tan, her hair, everything was just A plus this week. And Mandy ends up getting the win. But it was one of those where you could tell that they like her a lot. They they like Roxanne because she's had big, big 
uh, spots now in back-to-back weeks And she's someone who I can imagine being her and Cora and Nikita As a group of these younger girls that they're going to start to get behind pretty soon Yeah, I mean, her debut, uh, she she beats a tag team champion um, I, I, I was hoping that she didn't go over Mandy Rose who is the NXT 2.0 women's champion. A lot of people were upset as why is Roxanne Perez losing in her second. Look, we're not even going to remember her second match and her second loss. Um, Mandy is the star attraction here. Mandy looks fantastic. Um, There's just so much, so many ways you can go uh, in the women's division here. Um, you know, I would like to see Dakota Kai somewhat get back involved in some things, but back to Mandy Rose, man, was this a home run sending her down to NXT. I think Love this it. probably saved her career, her WWE career. I really do. Completely really do. agree. Completely agree. She was in a weird spot. She, they were doing the Dana tag team and they didn't know what to do with her. And she was the, awkward in segments. She yeah. Talk, you know, She's so weird. confident now. And her ring work has gotten so much better Mandy Rose never got the opportunity to wrestle 10 minute matches Ever no, ever. Now she's And that's what you got from her now When Mandy moves back up She's going to feel like she belongs a little bit Like it's not going to feel weird if Mandy's in there with Bianca Or you put Mandy in a spot with a Like a, a Sasha Or a Bailey or one of them You know, I think, I think she's going to feel okay When you put her in that spot You got Nathan Frazier uh, Versus Bodie Hayward so first we were we were getting our guys uh our guys Briggs and Brooks Maria they were getting hyped up for the six man <laughs> and then they got uh attacked um uh, our our boy got attacked backstage early we'll re- we'll return to them in a moment Fraser and Bodie Hayward so this was uh, from NXT UK Nathan Fraser but Waller comes out of nowhere pulls Bodie out of the ring. And he starts, you know, cutting a promo. He says nobody cares about Frazier. He's going to get embarrassed. And he says, you know, he's, you know, basically, I'm the man. I la- I thought after this was really funny. I like this. So <laughs> Frazier is really athletic and really fast. He threw. He did this like suicide dive that was pretty nuts and really, really quick. And then we get our guy Chase from Chase U. <laughs> and Waller's on the floor. And he's like looking embarrassed Chase comes down and says You know What we have here Is a teachable Teachable moment moment. And And the the crowd crowd just says it with him Man it's fantastic Uh, We we were on this this Chase you really early man And he's someone that Feels like he would be perfect in the main roster He's a guy who could be exactly Like an Elias type guy that they used to have he could yes. just come out yes. and interrupt people, teachable moments, right? I'm afraid I've got some bad news, bad you know, news. just like <laughs> anyone cutting promos, he could come out and just do the teachable moment with his, uh, I, I think there's a spot for him on the main roster for sure. We then got introduced to Ariana Grace. This is uh, the daughter of Santino Morella. Very, very good looking, and we're excited <laughs> See her she has uh, MMA and boxing experience And she's going to be in the breakout Tournament this year So love some tournaments we love Tournaments let's do it right You know let's I I think you know NXT has done a very good job With their tournaments Um, 
I, I'm excited about this because you're going to see a lot of uh, superstars from the the training center there. You're going to see some newbies that we haven't seen in a while, and this is the chance to get behind some of these uh, young ladies. I, I I love a good tournament. You know that. I love a good tournament. So we got the uh, the new Katana Chance, formerly yeah. Casey Catazaro and Caden Carter. They end up getting a win here, which I like because we talked about it a while ago when we saw them in the in the Dusty. They're one of the actual women's tag teams in the division, and they feel like a team you can get behind and build up. And they should be the team that beats Toxic Attraction and wins the belts. Yeah, I, my only concern a little bit is the name change stuff. I'm I know. okay with it. it it's it's just, just kind of okay. weird when they do it right in the middle of them being still on NXT. And then it's, Kaylee Ray, she's I Alba you know, Fire. <laughs> yeah, I you know Kaylee Ray. There there was some other names on this on in NXT 2.0 that was similar. I understand them going in a little bit different direction, but Alba Fire and it's F Y R E, and she explains to us why she's changed the name. I just I'm not into the hey all of a sudden this week this person is this. Wait, what? You know, I, I I don't know. I'm just I'm not big into name changes. I'm just nitpicking stuff. Just not a big fan of that. We then got yeah, I we, we got the Alba Fire right afterwards. I don't I understand when they move up from NXT to the main roster oh, 100%. Or, or when they come yeah, into sure. NXT when they change their names because they want to have the the they want to own the name. They want to own the rights to it. Totally get it. But yeah, in the middle like this, we've seen a couple people change just right in the middle of NXT and they were back to back here which kind of felt a little bit off Legato Del Fantasma picked up the win In uh, in that match There uh, we got Wild and Toro With the, the, the double team to pick uh, To get the win over Briggs There but I mean I don't I, This was fine I don't mind these are all These are like serviceable tag teams that we joked about Brooks and Briggs they've grown on me a little bit I think Fen- uh, Henley with them um, Helps them gets a little more personality And Legato Del Fantasma they're becoming another, again, a big part of NXT right now with the the stuff they've got going on with Tony D, and they feel like they're set up to be one of the main tag teams for a little while. Yeah, putting Fallon Henley with uh, Brooks and Dunn uh, definitely helps them. Um, I, they they've grown on me too. Um, we're just what's funny is is we're starting to see some of these people have grown up pretty quick and got. Some good experience before our very eye, our very own eyes, and there's a lot of talent, man. It's just look how many weeks have we haven't seen the Creed brothers? There's a lot of good tag teams in NXT 2.0. Um, I'm curious to see what we do uh, if they decide to start moving these guys and girls up quicker, sooner rather than later. But I can tell you this: they've done a good job uh, of getting a whole lot better. Uh, in a quick period of time That's why you and I both With this early NXT 2.0 makeover Everyone was crapping on it And we were even having a hard time with the logo It was like give it a chance, give it a chance And Brooks and Dunn uh, and, and several of these Other guys and girls have been working really hard Every week and it shows And I think they're going to be uh, good superstars Here in the future Solo Sokoa got the W Over Trick Williams So He's uh, another man who is continuing uh, to be built. He's on the rise. Is it? It's a triple threat, right? Uh, is it, next is it a triple threat? A triple threat, yeah, with Carmelo. Yeah. Yep. The three of them, triple threat for the North American title. Did you? Did you recognize this next segment? 
what this was from the when the guys were backstage uh, and Nofe and Malik Blade and he was looking in the mirror. Did you recognize uh, the Cool Runnings? Cool Runnings, oh, where he's looking yes. at the guy. He goes, "Hey, look in the mirror. I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who don't take no guff from nobody." Say it again. <laughs> I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother. Say it again, Sanka. I see pride. <laughs> so, Exactly what they were. I mean, they ripped this straight out of Cool Runnings, which nice catch. It was funny, and um, I so it made me. I mean, the segment wasn't very good, but it made me laugh just looking at what they were doing. You know what they were going for here, just trying to get themselves pumped up to go face the Viking Raiders. This was another team, like you mentioned. We we saw them for a while. Heck, we thought this team was going to win the Dusty Cup. (laughs) Yeah, we did. And then uh, and they've been gone for a bit. But they're good in the ring And they're, they'll be a fun team for a while But this is a good use of the Viking Raiders Have them come out, have them win And you can help them get the Creed Brothers over Moving forward next week So I'm I'm pumped for uh, for that match Next week's going to be a really good show Yeah, it's solid uh, you, you have Frazier and Waller You have the, the tag match uh, That you just talked about uh, We have the triple threat um, We'll get to the main event here shortly And uh, I think we're going to have a sit down With with two of the heads of the family, I think Tony D and Santos are going to sit down. So uh, a big, a big Tuesday night ahead for NXT 2.0. The we talked Mandy, we talked Roxanne, we talked. Uh, that was your oh oh you know we didn't get the Wesley um, vignette. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, I, I like this quite a bit. Sure, oh, this is really yeah, well done. I. I sort of just wish we would have gotten this and not had him lose the match last week. I thought I wish this right. kind of would have been like the fresh start for him as as a singles guy. Yeah, you know, it's just I don't know the thinking behind some of this stuff. There's got to be something. I think I think WWE, AEW, you know, the big companies think we have short-term memory because everything is headlines, quick, attention grabbers, and I think that's what they think maybe. Because some of this stuff don't make sense, but I was I, I'm really intrigued where it goes from here. Um, you know, you have a breakout tournament with the guys too. Uh, I, I'm telling you, you know, even though I, you know we crapped on last week's NXT 2.0, it, it wasn't the best of weeks. But again, I find myself enjoying NXT 2.0 the two hours than I do just as much as I do with SmackDown Raw and AEW I like it I want to see it it's it's like they just grown up before my very eyes I know this is what we when and we I think we feel better about how now these versions of the characters that they probably have a better chance when they do come up to the main roster right that these are the people that Vince wants in this form and so if they want to succeed in WWE this is this is the way they want to go they they should go at it we got uh, Sloan Jacobs, another look at someone for the women's breakout tournament. And we close things out with Joe Gacy. I'm just, same thing that we were saying earlier. The Gacy stuff, they've tweaked his character a little. It was sort of like a woke yeah. guy before. Now he's just doing the spooky stuff. Rick Steiner comes out at the end. Why, why, why so, wouldn't you put him on, in, in Mania weekend? I know. Stand and, and why will we just use the Steiner or, name? Why can't he just be yeah, the name Steiner of anything? Braun, name him anything Steiner that you want. You got the dad out there. We're doing all the Steiners, but he still won't be bra- like a Steiner. That's just <laughs> <a weird> <laughs> <man>. <laughs> Uh 
I, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, him handing him the title, at least, you know, there there was some interesting stuff, but I don't think it's going to be a very good match. It's going to be your main next Tuesday, and I, I think it's going to be overshadowed by better matches that's on the card. We get to AEW. We open things up with Dax Harwood versus Cash Wheeler in the Owen Hart qualifying match, and they were basically just mimicking the Owen and Brett WrestleMania match. They pulled from yeah. Brett uh, versus Razor Ramon matches. They pulled from Brett uh, Sean match. They pulled from Owen. They pulled from all sorts of different matches, which is really cool. I like these two guys. They've been doing a great job, I think, over the last month or so, ever since they sent out that tweet that said they were a little unhappy. They've been yeah. getting a huge, <laughs> a huge push. They're, they're being booked everywhere. They got like nine champion tag team champion titles around the way. I know. And the only thing I I think is weird is there was a really cool segment that they showed in the build up to this with these two guys and their history and them as a team. And it was this video that was like eight or nine minutes that they put on their social media and stuff. And this is the kind of thing that you could show like two minutes of yeah. on TV yeah. before the match. Just. Give me a little bit more of how these guys are like brothers and they've been a team forever. And so them wrestling is really weird and they don't even really have a lot of singles matches. And now they have one against each other, but they're so uh, respect. They, they, they care so much about the legacy of the hearts that they're going to have an honest match for it. Like it was really well done. I, I I've read that Tony Khan reads the numbers and the ratings. And he noticed is that if they've ever put video packages on that people tune out for a little bit. I think that's one of those things where you've got to sacrifice the immediate for the long term. If it's going to be a few people that tune out for a bit, but if you're helping the entire audience build, you know, knowledge about who these people are, I think it's going to help your product. And so does WWE sometimes go the other way? Do they do too many recaps or video packages or this just happened earlier in the night? But you know what? You very rarely are watching one of those shows and you and and you're not And you can't follow along right you know What's going on even if you didn't watch last Week because they're going to tell you what happened recently Or they're going to show you Well if the video package is good Like you're saying FTR I I didn't see it um, Then you've got to play It because some of these little Taped packages or live Segments backstage you can tell a lot Of these are taped by the way that Aren't good and you're showing them Anyway so why not build up to the match, the opening match? And one thing I didn't like, he, who was it? Was it Dax teased the sharpshooter? Why not just do it, you know? And then, then we get a small package for the for the flash pin or what for the quick pin. I thought that was kind of a downer a little bit, but I would have definitely shown the uh, shown at least a couple of minutes of it because you know the match is going to deliver. I thought it was interesting to put these two. The tag champions uh, of multiple organizations now, definitely ROH, um, against each other in a singles tournament. Um, but it is what it is. And then we find out, didn't Bret Hart just sign? Who who, who said, sent that to us? DZ, AC, one of them said that he just signed another massive deal with the WWE. Yeah. So yeah. Um, interesting match. Like you said, they took a lot from a lot of Owens and Bret, Owen Hart's. Matches and Brett's matches. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen the sharpshooter. If you're yeah. gonna do it, if you're gonna do it on anybody. Do it on your partner. Go all the way. Dax gets the win there with a the roll up, 
And uh, a uh, Punk was on commentary post match. Sure. Punk comes out, and so this is where things were a little bit wonky because we heard Dave Meltzer reported that Adam Page had COVID this week, so yeah. he couldn't be on the show. They had to rewrite a few things. There was supposed to be a segment to set up the match for Punk and Page a double or nothing. They just announced it, and so Punk came out. He cut a promo and he said, which I actually liked the way he said it, and it makes a ton of sense. Hey. I didn't know if I still had it, but you know what? Now I do. I'm going to win the title. Short and sweet. And and I'm going to be and I'm going to be honest with you, Gino. I think he needs to win this title. 100%. Um, He's going to win it for I, sure. I, I just, He's absolutely going to win. Thought, we thought Adam Cole was um I'm kind of glad he didn't because something still is not clicking with me with Adam Cole and AEW. Totally agree. He didn't feel um, like a guy who should have won. He just sort of felt no. like he would have been a transitional champion to get it off of Paige. Anyway, but Punk right. is the guy. He's the most over in the company. It took a little bit, but the crowds always have wanted to see him. He's remained hot, and now his work caught up with the way the fans were treating him in ring and on the mic and the stuff that he's doing. He feels a lot like the old CM Punk in a older, more wiser, babyface version. He he should be the champ in a month when when they have their pay per view. I mean, look at their champions, right? Let's let's be honest here. Chris Jericho, uh, Mox, uh, Kenny Omega, and now Hangman Page. Of those four, the two best champions have been Jericho and Moxley. I, yeah. You know, Kenny Omega battling tons of injury injuries. We thought Hangman Page should have been the first guy. Understand mm-hmm. why they went with Jericho because he's the big mainstream name. Uh, but just something is missing here. I don't even know. You and I have talked about it. I don't even know if CM Punk needs to turn heel during this. I, I, I think Hangman can lose. Hell, he can turn heel. Uh, will it be outside interference? I don't know. But I think all signs indicate that CM Punk's your next AEW world champion. And I think maybe Paige I would, is I would the guy. See, yeah, and I would rather see Kenny Omega come back and work Punk. Then see Kenny Omega and Hangman Page work again. That completely that's agree. Good. You can get to that again down the line. Later. But I think you got plenty of time. Punk Omega feels like one of the bigger matches that they have out there. Oh yeah, yeah. That feels like and a you're big not one. Gonna have a lot of time with Punk. I, look, we we're not gonna. I, I I would be surprised if three or four years down the road from now, CM Punk is still working. You know, I agree. If, if if you're gonna give him the championship, now's the time because he seems like the biggest name on AEW and the hottest name right now on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday nights. We then got the Blackpool Combat Club picking up a win over the Factory, and man, uh, Wheeler Yuta is over. He is really sure. over right now. It's it, it's sometimes you put people with other big stars to elevate them, and it doesn't work. But he, I care more about him now, and he's. Much more, I'm much more aware of what he's doing just in the the interaction with uh with Regal with uh, Brian Danielson and with Moxley. So good stuff there. We then got a little uh, backstage between Britt, Jamie, and uh, Britt, Jamie, Tony Storm, and then Ruby uh, Ruby jumps in. So we're gonna get uh what a tag team match between. Them coming up, they were talking about how Tony's going to see Jamie in the first round, but no physical uh, physicality. I did think it was funny that Britt said they're going to visit Ruby's home catering. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. It was a, She's it so me, good. She's so did. good, man. It made me pop. And then backstage, Jungle Boy talking about how he should have won last week. Christian said, "Christian says you don't sound like a loser. You were a loser." 
<laughs> but it was but but then he says it was a teachable moment. It was yeah. a teachable, teachable moment. moment. And so we're obviously getting the seeds right here of the Christian heel turn at some point. But Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs challenge them to a tag team match. So they're going to put the titles on the line in a match coming up, which is fine. But it just, again, feels like these guys have the titles. They don't feel as big as the Blackpool Combat Club, as big as uh, the Young Bucks, as big as the Undisputed Era stuff when they're out there. And so I we got to do more with them. Or get the belts off of them and onto people who you want to do more with, because that's what the titles are for. It, it, it there's a weird, um, there's a, there's like a weird power dynamic if your champions aren't the best or the, the most over yeah. or people that are perceived to be the best. And it just sort of the, the titles end up being weird. So let's, uh, let's see where they go from there. Wardlow came back out handcuffed and all. And uh, he got the win over Lance Archer This was cool, I mean, I feel bad for Archer Because this is a guy who will be in like a title match And then he's nowhere And then he's on TV and then he's nowhere But he's always pretty entertaining when he's in the mix He just is so so many starts and stops with him Yeah, I think what How many power bombs did we get? Um, four? Five? I think he took several um, Again, uh, yeah, Archer What He was in that Texas death match uh, Not too long ago I think with Hangman or with someone, he uh, maybe it was Moxley. Um, Wardlow, hey, he's a star. Um, sooner or later, we will get to him and MJF. Um, I still think we're okay with these segments and MJF. Um, I, I just hopefully, you know, we've been talking about how many losses MJF has had during the big matches over the last several months. He just hasn't been able to go over. I, I would not put MJF over Wardlow. I think that destroys Wardlow. I, you know, you've got a star in this guy who's over. I just, don't pick this time for MJF to finally get his victory. Even if you come back and revisit it two weeks later or a month later at another pay-per-view, uh, definitely getting that way for double or nothing. I, we're going to get MJF and Wardlow. He's got to win the contract, no. right? That's what it's going to yes, have to be. He's yes, going to win his yes, freedom 100%. or win yes. his way to an AEW contract. And that should be it. And you have somebody else, whoever it be, help Wardlow. Maybe sure, it's Spears sure. that does the turn. I don't know. Whatever it is, he tells him, you were, you know, I, but. MJF is going to end up getting screwed over by the things that he's always leaned on, right? Like the people and the yeah. help around him. That that should be what it is for uh, yes, for agree. him. And then if Punk wins the title, you know you can revisit Punk and MJF again, right? Because they have a good. It's built in. It's built got in a, right there. A nice yeah. feet built in already together. It's and MJF's not going to get hurt by losing to Wardlow, right? It, it's no, especially no, 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 if it's. No. If it's schmozzy at the end where there's some sort of interference That's the type of match where it should be interference There should sure. be something that comes in And makes sure that, that MJF loses that match We got the stuff with uh, The Jericho Appreciation Society And Kingston and Santana and, Santana and Ortiz I don't dislike this stuff at all It's just not anything that, that I'm like Overly crazy about It's fine I'm just kind of indifferent on it yeah, I'm just getting tired of it. I, I have no problems with anyone. I, it's pretty funny, you know, Kingston, uh, what he said, I don't care about sports entertainment. It's a bunch of crap or whatever it was. Um, 
it just seems like we've seen a version of all these guys work in a group against all these guys in a group, if you know what I'm saying. I, it just seems like we now have to get kind of, you know, in some kind of backstage brawl type match, stadium stampede match with these guys. I, I, I know you've got to put guys together and put them in segments because you've got a roster that's just so big and you've only got two hours on Wednesday and you've got another hour on Friday night that's taped. I just, it really doesn't do a whole lot for me. They're entertaining on the mic. Uh, they're good in their matches, but it just seems like we've been there, done that multiple times with all of these guys. Serena D picks up the win over Sheeta in a basically like a no DQ match here. They use some weapons. These two have a good chemistry, but I think they've wrestled five or six times. And yeah, and I think the crowd didn't care either. I thought mm-hmm. the match was okay, but the crowd fine. was just dead. They sat on their head, their hands on this. Then uh, backstage, more a little more with MJF, and he says he's got a plan. And uh, he says Wardlow faces a man who's smarter and taller, and you can't teach that. Hmm. <laughs> Kaz, right? Got to be Kaz XL or W Morrissey, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, it's, not gonna, it's not going to be Enzo Amore. Right? It won't be Enzo. <laughs> uh, but uh, they then go uh, to the ring, and Fuego de Sol is laid out. And again, it's it's like some of this darkness. Malachi Black yeah. pulls the mask off him, but then it's Alex Abrahantes, and here comes Penta, Pac, and Phoenix. Phoenix I think got involved. Yeah. All of them. So Phoenix is back. So he's swinging around a big shovel, and we got a brawl with everyone here. But these these stories, WWE, they will sometimes move. I, maybe too quick or finish something and then get over it and then the other way they'll go they this has been dragged out for a long time now because we don't have it every week and then we'll have one thing here a week or one on rampage and I still don't really like I I don't know why I'm supposed to care all that much about this I haven't been been it hasn't been presented like something I should care all that much about no the only time I cared about it didn't Malachi black his debut was attacking Cody is that right? That's how long ago it's been. And he felt like he was going to be a major, major player right then. And it's and just he hasn't been. It's not his up. fault. It's just, yeah, there's no interest there in me because it seems like there's two or three different people getting involved against him every week. We talked about this last week. Buddy Matthews definitely doesn't feel important. He was involved in this segment. Just something I'm not interested in. I'm not invested in at all, at all. But I do think... Um, that Darby Allen and Swerve Strickland will have one hell of a match. In the I do too. I like. I just sort of like that these guys know each other pretty well. They have a history, and so they should have a good chemistry here. And I like that Swerve sounds good on the mic. Like he hasn't he had a lot of time, but when he's been out there, he's looked and sounded really good. So yeah, and, and that's what he was known for. You know, in the Indies, he, he could he could talk in the mic, and I just don't know why. He hasn't been given more time, you know, and this match is going to be on Rampage, so it's not going to be a Wednesday night match, which I'm very disappointed in, but I do expect them to to have a hell of a match. I will say that. The Undisputed Elite beat the Varsity Blondes, and they did make a point of mentioning how many different trios they have now. It looks like we're going to be getting trios championships. 
I, I think that's yeah. oh, I yeah. think it's inevitable yeah. with Blackpool Combat Club. We've got the different groups here, Undisputed Elite, Barcy Blondes, they mentioned earlier. We saw the Gun Club. They have a bunch of different groups. Uh, House of Black is another trio there. So I think we're probably going to be getting the uh the trios belts BTE trigger for the win. Cole comes in with the boom backstage. And, and I'll be and, and, and look, Gino, I'll be positive about it. I think that will at least give these threesomes uh, a more direction to go instead of just having them all over the place, right? So maybe maybe we can kind of reel them in and do it that way because right now you've got so many of these groups just kind of flapping in the wind. So maybe, you know, I'm not a big proponent of bringing in lots of titles because it makes it seems like all the titles are less important. But maybe it will help all of these other little these trios and some of these factions put stuff together and we can actually have a, a common goal to get system titles. Maybe it'll help. Jericho appreciation society attacks <laughs> Santana Ortiz and Kingston backstage and uh, Jericho throws a fireball. We get a whole fireball in his face. Well, like, I should have asked him about that. Hey, you're what, what's going on? Chris is an, S- an X-Men or something back there, <laughs> man. It was a straight fireball to the face. <laughs> now, I will give them some credit with uh, with what Sammy and Ty Conti have done recently. They've said, you know what? You guys are going to boo us. Let's just be heels. And they're leaning into it, the kissing, the way they act. It just they're I want to I hate them so much. I just do when every time they come out <laughs> and they I, I think they've done a pretty good job leaning into that. And they took the belt off Sammy. They put it on Scorpio Sky, which is pretty cool. He's someone who hasn't re- they've given little opportunities here and there, but they haven't got behind. And the crowd is actually really behind them towards the end of the match when uh, Paige Van Zant comes out and she's brawling with with Ty. The crowd was actually really into that too. So I don't I don't love this, but I like it. I don't I don't have a problem with it. I I do like that they finally leaned into how obnoxious they've been acting, and it's like. Dude, why are people going to cheer the way that you guys act on social media and you're making out all over the place? You're acting like children. Just come on. So uh, I thought this was actually pretty well done all over the match that was good. There were a couple big spots in the match, and Scorpio gets the win. A, a TNT, like a mid card title like this, I don't mind if it goes back and forth a little bit. You know, I, I don't mind if they have it go back and forth a little like it's been. And I think it's in a better spot on Scorpio now yes. and then, yes. than, than where it was on Sammy. And I actually think that Sammy could be a fun heel right now with with Ty, and and maybe they could lean into that a little bit more. Just don't put Scorpio back on the back burner again. I, I mean, it, it's just it seems like some of these champions win titles, and you've got to go to Monday or Tuesday night, and he's the TNT champion, right? So it's got to be he needs to be on television every week. He he doesn't need to wrestle every week, but he needs to be on television. The match was fine. I had no problem. I thought the crowd was hot. There, there was an ugly botch, but I thought there were some good moves. Um, the barbed wire ladder well, was a brutal spot. Um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that the show ends with Frankie Kazarian, you know, coming in and saying, I'm going to be your first challenger. I, I had no problem with this being the main event. I, I, I just, I, I did peek at the ratings. They weren't very strong. You have a lot of competition. You have two or three NBA games. I don't know how many wrestling fans are are, are watching NBA games. I don't know. But I thought it was an interesting choice for a main event. And I thought it was an interesting ending with Frankie Kazarian. 
I don't know if it's one so of what, is, what did the number hit? I don't even. I mean, like, I hate the rating stuff, but like, what is? I'm curious. Yeah, nine twenty. Yeah, and when they're under a million, it's not great. It's not great, you know. And now, the, and, one, and hopefully they don't do the WWE like, hey, we're no, we're not going to win on Labor Day on Monday night. So, so let's, let's mail it in. because a- AEW can't afford that. Um, I thought it was an interesting main event, a choice, but Frankie Kazarian coming out there at the end. No disrespect for Frankie. I, I just. I, there's different things. I, I would rather seen uh, uh, the, the Combat Club out there um, than, than Frankie Kazarian. But uh, you know what? You know what's interesting? They announced Diana Perrazzo against Mercedes Martinez for the Ring of Honor Championship next Wednesday night on Dynamite. And again, we had no Thunder Rosa on this show. Again, she hasn't wrestled a match. She only looked right. She they 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 had That's her it. watching the Serena Deeb win, That's sort of like, uh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll you're right. And I, it I just, just just this Deanna and Mercedes are going to tear the house down. They just are. Um, so that 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 is one reason to tune in uh, uh, next Wednesday night. But you know what? That's what we have these shows for. You know, uh, we nitpick everything. We want to see everyone do their best. Uh, the reason why it's be, it's not because and, and it's funny people think that if you love something that you just are positive and you praise it all the time that's in fact the opposite sure. you want the, the best out of something you want it so the you, harder you're you, going to be on it exactly it, because i enjoy watching AEW i do but i'm watching things a lot of the time and i'm like ah that could have been different it's exactly like i do yeah. with WWE and with NXT sure. and i feel like with AEW it's newer and they have this opportunity to actually be something different because they're not under the Vince McMahon umbrella they do have this new young guy who does seem to actually care what other people think right in in so much so that it's like a problem sometimes so it's all. It's never. Uh, it's never because we don't like it. It's because I, I enjoy watching AEW and I just want the the Wednesday night viewing experience to be a little better. Show me a little video packages here and there. I don't want to feel. You and I watch a lot of wrestling. I don't want to sure. feel like I'm not cool because I don't know the stories they're telling me on AEW. It's like, I thought I I watched Wednesday and some fr- and Friday nights and I should know, but no, I didn't watch Dark and Elevation. I don't know New Japan or Ring of Honor's history all that well. So I'm not going to understand what's happening. I don't think that's a good way to present your product, right? You shouldn't make f- people feel kind of dumb if they don't know every single thing. Yeah, and I think sometimes I, they, 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 I think they think that so many of these smart mark fans should know everything and should keep it up. And it, it definitely doesn't translate to, to high cable ratings because these people are going to watch wrestling every week. Uh, the smart ones are. Uh, it's the attention grabbers and what's what's going to be really interesting is we have a major pay-per-view that's exactly four weeks away for AEW Memorial weekend Sunday night uh, AEW double or nothing I believe it's from Las Vegas T-Mobile arena so the march is on to that and so these next four shows coming up leading up to that Need to pack a lot of punch. Hey, their pay-per-views always, always do well. But not everybody who watches Wednesday nights are going to buy those pay-per-views. That's what the problem I always had with Impact. Their pay-per-views are fantastic. It's just for some reason, their weekly product has been down. They've gotten better. I don't watch it every week, but I do watch it, and it's gotten better. But I don't know why you wouldn't go all out 
every Wednesday night to try to capture that because you know the same people are going to watch it every week, your diehards. So it's going to be an interesting month ahead for AEW. The march is on to double or nothing. And, uh, you know, the newness has definitely wore off. The trend is down. The NBA playoffs. Hey, this is only the first round, right? We, we've got another. And there are some good two. matchups coming ahead. Celtics Bucks is going to be really yeah, good. There, you still got, you know. Two the, or three the, NHL playoffs are coming up. Mm-hmm. That are catching fire. You know, I, I'm more invested in the NHL playoffs now. But uh, they've got a month. They've got a month to plan ahead, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they do uh, to build to that. Because all we know right now is uh, we're going to crown the Owen Hart champion, uh, Owen Hart uh, tournament champion there. So we'll see what AEW decides to do for these next four Wednesdays they have coming up, four or five Wednesdays they have coming up. Loop, my man, thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to Talking with you again next week and picking your brain. We'll, uh, we'll, so next week when we talk, make sure you have a, a derby pick for me, okay? <laughs> Man, you know what? I was, uh, I, I'm getting derby fever again. It's, it's, uh, I, I'm not a true dedicated horse player as I once was many years ago. I'd rather lose money on hockey player props. Uh, for <laughs> sure, some reason. sure. But, uh, you know, I, I'm betting this player, uh, Giroux, uh, over 0.5 power play points. I don't even know what's going on half the time. But even if you're not the biggest horse player, the the fastest and greatest two minutes in sports is about a week away. And it's so much fun, uh, even if you're a novice horse player like me. Uh, I can't wait to dive in. Uh, next week's going to be fun for the horse racing industry. Okay, so we'll pick your brain a little next week uh, and and see who you like in the Derby. Yeah, that was uh, – it's funny because most of you who listen to this show through the years have heard <laughs> me and Chad just talk about wrestling. But Chad and I met at Delta Downs talking horse Delta racing Downs, over brother. there. And uh, Chad used yeah. to come on TBG all the time with me and, uh, and help me preview the races and the cards. And sometimes I think that some of the folks at Delta didn't love it all that much that it was Chad and not some of the <laughs> others. Yeah, I was gonna say, but I know they, got, on me, man. they weren't ready. You weren't ready for they weren't ready for your push yet. You know, they wanted to no. push a couple other people, and you got yeah. over like Look. Zach Ryder on your own. You were the internet <laughs> champion on your own, man. The long the Z true Long Island story on social. That's funny, Luke, my man. Thank you so much, and we'll talk again next week, buddy. Have a good weekend, man. We'll talk next week. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode. And that's going to do it for this episode, episode 300. Thanks again so much, and uh, a big thank you to everyone who, who's been such a big help through the years, in particular <clears throat> recently, Eric, Chad Cooper. We've got uh, Andrew and Darren who have been helping us out and just couldn't couldn't do it without everyone, without uh, all of you listening and without everyone helping us out. This has been more than just a show for me to come on here. It's for me to cover sports and pop culture and all the, the fun topics that we love discussing with all of you. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone, and look forward to next week. It is Kentucky Derby Week, Oaks Week. So much happening. Let's make that money. <laughs>